Hello and welcome to In the Past Garage Rock Podcast, the show where we talk about a song for way too long. I'm your host, Weldon Gardner-Hunter, and with me, as always, is my loyal co-host, Eric Clink Clink Another Drink, Comer Nicky. Weldon, we can see they have so many things, and we are glad that it is so. But do they grow a Japanese banana? That's what we like to know. I would like to find that out, but I'd also like to find out who they are and who we are as well and where that comes from. But you'll tell me at some point. But I do believe it must have something to do with this week's special theme episode of In the Past, where we're going to talk about nonsense songs, songs that have gibberish lyrics, at least all or in part. Very famous songs, not necessarily anything that's pure garage, although I think every single one of these songs could be turned into a garage rock song for sure. So we're going to take three songs from 1956 to 1972 that are insane termite trash nonsense. And we're going to, I feel like because that's the, um, the theme, we're probably going to be as academic as we can possibly, we're going to be some doing some serious interpretation. So no time like the present to get started. The first song we're going to do is from 1956. It's a song called rubber biscuit and it's by the chips. Did you ever hear of a wish sandwich? Well, it's the kind of a sandwich that you're supposed to take two pieces of bread and wish you had some meat. Do 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 The other day, I ate a ricochet biscuit. Well, it's the kind of a biscuit that's supposed to bounce off the wall back in your mouth. If it don't bounce back, <laughs> you go hungry. Do 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 the other day, I ate a cool water sandwich and a Sunday go to meat and bun. Go to the ball. What you want for nothing? A rubber biscuit? One of the greatest songs ever recorded. Eric almost played it again. He likes it so much. We've been listening to it a lot over the last week plus, and I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to say about it. Let me just give you a little bit of information about the chips, and probably we're going to say more about them uh, as we go along. So I'll, I'll mention the men who are or were the chips. Kinrod Johnson is the lead baritone. Uh, Nathaniel Littlejohn Epps is the falsetto. We'll talk about him because 
There's stuff going on beyond the lyrics, which are great. Paul Fulton is the bass. Sammy Strain, first tenor, great name. And I found out just like five minutes before the, the podcast recording, I found out like a whole PDF file on the career of Sammy Strain and the origins of the song. And I was like, why did I just find this now? Anyways, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then finally, Shedrick Bubble Lincoln is the second tenor. Now, the story about these guys is that they started the band called The Chips. But the, the thing that I, because I only consulted the um, PDF about uh, Sammy Strain just before, I, my chronology is going to be a little bit off here. But it has something to do with them meeting and being I guess you could say they're inmates of a school called the Warwick State School for Boys, which was a school in New York State for delinquents. Now, I don't have much story about like why they were delinquents, what they did to get into this, or if they were just like misbehaved kids who, you know, because of their status in society, get sent to a school where, you know, they're being punished, basically. But while being in this school, I don't know if all of them were in this school or if just a few of them were, but apparently because it was a, a school for delinquent children, they were they were disciplined in a way they would have to march between buildings. And so while they would march military style towards, you know, maybe the classes they were going to, they would come up with mil- like kind of they would sing military style songs uh, which, you know, you'd call someone to be calling cadence while you march. So the marching beat, you're in this little bump, bump, bump. And then the actual crazy lyrics that you're going on. Apparently, that's how this song was created. They were basically making fun of the, the, the or at least using the form of the songs they were learning at this school and just putting in these nonsense lyrics. So it's an insanely insane story about the the meaning of the like or the origins of the song and i feel like i only got the little bit of information kind of late so eric if you know more about it let me know for sure and add anything you know about it so i think that's basically i mean this song the other thing to say about the chips is that they really only existed they put up this one record rubber biscuit i don't even know if rubber biscuits the b side or the a side but the song didn't really make much of a dent. It was like a regional hit. These guys are from New York City originally. Uh, Bedford Stive is an area, which is now like a hipster area. Um, and then they kind of just broke up. But one of the guys, it was Sammy Strain, he ends up in a bunch of like more popular groups. I think he ends up in Little Anthony and the Imperials. Yeah. So uh, sadly, I don't have as much information as I should have. But Eric, if you have it, let's start talking about the song and throw in that information too. So let's get going. Well, obviously, it's a really wild song, and mm-hmm. some people know it from sources other than being doo-wop fanatics mm-hmm. or knowing the chips, obviously, like um, the Blues Brothers do. Uh, I don't know if I'd say well-known, but well-known compared to this one cover of it, I suppose. So some people would know it from there, and, and I bet you if you type Rubber Biscuit into a Google search, you're going to get like the lyrics of the Blues Brothers one, which are mm-hmm. close, but you know, there's some things that are like, oh, wood, blah, 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 blah. Uh, kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you'll see. Also, if you look at YouTube comments, you're going to see the typical blah, 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 sent me here. And uh, I believe this song, and I didn't go back and double check this, but this song is in Mean Streets, right? Mm-hmm. Scorsese yeah. in Mean Streets. And I think it's this scene where they were, um, uh, what was it? Harvey Keitel is drunk and they mm-hmm. close up. I could have the wrong scene, so whatever. So people go right up and close on his face or Scorsese goes right up and close on his face and, and it, he, he's like jolting around, sort of looking around. Anyways, it's if it's the scene I'm thinking of, it's an amazing scene. So people, that's mm-hmm. one of the few instances where I'm like, people should be saying Mean Street sent me here because that's such a... And you couldn't really do a better song. It, the song just fits so well with it. And Scorsese uses music in his films 
fantastically. So that that's mm-hmm. no shock, I suppose. But I, I, there, we're going to have to say a lot of stuff about the song because you sort of have a song where doo-wop is well known for having these vocables that we've talked about quite a bit in other mm-hmm. episodes. And this one, it's like they said, well, why can't just the foreground vocals be a bunch of nonsense <laughs> as well? Yeah. But as we'll discuss, it's not quite nonsense. Mm-hmm. There's also stuff to analyze within this too in a sort of – and you know, it's a – this would have been an incredible song to add to Food and Drink. I think we might have yes. discussed that. But it does – it also has some themes which are reminiscent of Pork mm-hmm. and Gravy, one of exactly. our favorite songs which we talked about in Food and Drink. So I, I – and I'm – I know that we're going to talk about that in the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, give sure. me some of your initial thoughts. Well, first of all, so the, yeah, before even thinking about interpreting the song, I can't remember now how I discovered this song. And I don't think I, I knew it very well or considered it until very recently in the past few years. I've always liked doo-wop. I've always been a, well, I haven't always been a doo-wop. Basically my, the, my experience with becoming a doo-wop fan really became somewhat more, um pronounced somewhere around the year 2003 when i moved to victoria and then i was at that state stage there was a record store somewhere downtown that i don't remember the name of anymore it didn't exist for too long after i'd moved to victoria british columbia but they for some reason at that period of time i wasn't just getting garage rock compilations i was like you know what do up i'm gonna get some do up and that's partly because you and i and our friend jay had been in a don't wop group in uh, Edmonton called the show whoppers. And so whatever led us to discussing doo-wop, it was clear in my mind and it was fresh in, in my mind when I had moved. And I was like, I really want to get into more doo-wop. I want to learn more about the style of music. So buying anthologies of doo-wop finding, of course, remember this is 20 years ago. So you'd go on like LimeWire and stuff and you'd find songs. This was before YouTube. So uh, finding songs that were just categorized as doo-wop. So I remember starting to get into some really like, maybe not obscure doo-wop, but some of the classic stuff and going, wow, this is a really wild genre of music. So somewhere in there, eventually the chips and this song came along and I went, this might be the wildest. Because one thing I learned is that I really love rock and doo-wop. The doo-wop mm. that has got this kind of backbeat in it with some yeah. saxophones in it and songs like Zoop by the charts. And I think it might be my favorite style of music. When I hear songs like this, I go, come on, this immediately activates you being like a five-year-old going, this is the most insane, dumb song ever. I, you it's hear awesome. a song like this and you think that uh, there couldn't be a better song than this. Like you wouldn't. Yeah. And then you hear a song like pour some sugar on me or something. And you're like, what a load of shit this is. <laughs> I just listened to rubber freaking biscuit 10 yeah, minutes yeah. ago. Yeah. It makes you think that when you're in a band and if you go and listen to a song, like, well, we should break up our band. We're never <laughs> going to come anywhere near this. Like every band should break up right now. Anyone that's listening right now and you're in a band, unless, I mean, of course, I guess the thing is everyone in a band is confident that they're, no, no, we're as good. We're going to one day write something as good as Rubber Biscuit. And I, I, I would laud that kind of belief in yourself. The worst kind of band would be the one who was like, whatever, it's not that great of a song. I'm like, well, you're forbidden from listening to this podcast. Then if you do not like this song that right now, turn it off, but they probably would have already, but who can't like this song? It, like I say, it makes you go back mentally to being like a kid and going, this is the kind of thing you'll want when you're a kid. And it also makes you think, man, it must be like, let's not discount the fact that some teenage boys wrote this and you have to be insane. And in that kind of frame of mind of a hormonal teenage boy to write something as weird and nonsensical as this and yet it must be so hard i would rather have 
written this song if you could say what kind of if you could have written any song in the world which one i i might pick rubber biscuit by the chips over something like our most uh, popular song it ain't me babe or uh it, what's the name of the song? By so Bob you're Dylan? saying if you could have written it over, if you could have like performed it. So you're just the guy who went up to the chips and said like, I've no, got no, a song for you I, guys. I want to, pro- I mean, right, if I can okay, go yeah, back yeah, in yeah. time and then go like, you put me in 1956 yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. Hey, but then I don't want to take it away from the chips. Cause I don't feel like I could have done it like as a solo. Yeah. You know, yeah. Artist. Typical, typical. Now, you, I, <laughs> just noticed this, I know. I, <laughs> I was just watching. Someone sent me a, a gif or a gif uh, the other day of that part in back to the future where mm. Marty McFly is on stage and he's playing Johnny be good. And mm. I was reminded when I watched the actual scene that the, the guy from the band that's playing picks up the phone and mm-hmm. he goes, Hey Chuck, it's me, your cousin, Marvin, Marvin. Barry. Yeah. <laughs> Take a listen. You know, that sound you've been looking for, listen to this. And I realized the show's directors just had them imply that Chuck Berry stole his sound. Yeah. Um, from a white guy who traveled like, oh, well, a white guy must have traveled back in time and given it to him. But on the other hand, he was stealing it from Chuck Berry. So God, God damn you, time it's, travel. You're it, always so confusing. Exactly. It's 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 a it's a impossible thought experiment. But in this, it's just like I, I, I just want to basically say how impressed I am to write something as insane as this with these. Well, when I mean, it's going to this is going to be a hard one for us to talk about because. It's going to not be as awesome if we have to start talking about what, first of all, I went onto the lyric websites and I'm pretty sure I've got the Blues Brothers version, which is just slightly different uh, than the one that I think someone has posted the lyrics on the lyrics video. And even then it's, yeah, it's going to be they, impossible to say. They, they don't so, post them down here under the description, do they? No, unfortunately. So we'd have to go through. So I'm, I'm, I'm left with, uh, with, and it's actually pretty close, but the first thing I would say about the song is, one thing about it is that it's absolutely not nonsense that as you've already pointed out and we'll uh, like, we'll get into like the meaning of the song, but the first thing you can see in the first verse is cow, cow, who, so a cow is mentioned right away. And then and chicken, the and then a bunch of chicken. Then stuff, chicken. Right? Yeah. yeah. Chicken, hon, a chicken, chicken, hola, lubba, hubba, hell, fried, chuckalucka, wanna jubba, that kind of thing. So it's then fried, right? So the, the first four lines have the words cow mentioned several times, chicken, and then fried, and you're like, okay, this song's definitely about food. It's, I, it's a, yeah, food I, is a theme, well, you know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but the way I started seeing it toward the end of the week, and um, it's weird because actually you listen to the song a million times during the week, and it starts to make sense to you. It doesn't get mm. any less insane or great, and I agree that you listen to this song, and sometimes I just take a step back and I see like, how could any artist – in in human history have created something so amazing mm-hmm. as, as this as this song and i get that when there's a couple songs that have been recorded where i get that feeling just like how could this exist and it usually is something from some how old are these guys like 16 or something you know yeah they must be 60 70 it's funny there's a picture of the band they it's it's that because it's from the 50s you're like i can't tell if they're like they were in, in their 20s stuff, or yeah. 30s or if they're teenage yeah. boys or not like some of them have faces that look older but then then you think about if they just weren't wearing suits that you might no they'd look like you know 16 or 70 year old kids but we can't place them in that context so it is hard to kind of determine but the fact of the matter is these insane nonsense vocals that are just piled up. And then they're, the other thing is that they're interspersed then with these spoken word sections, which are themselves, at least in more grammatical sense, but they're just as insane and surreal, right? So it's, no, it's not just interspersed with that, but with the falsetto vocal yeah. in between every line going like, Woo! and then the 
the yeah. bass vocal doing the there's so much going on in the song and your 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 brain is being batted around by the <laughs> amount of uh like a rubber biscuit texture. like bouncing yeah. bounce your brain yeah. becomes the rubber biscuit yeah, exactly. And I noticed one thing is that when you go on some lyric websites, they don't have the important thing. They'll, they, they don't have cow, cow, who, which are mm. is definitely the first. So if you right, right away want to make an argument, greatest first lines in all of rock music. Well, here we go. Cow, cow, who, there you go. That's <laughs> got to be in the top 10 for me. Cow, cow, who, cow, cow, wanna dibba do, chicken, hana, chicka, chicka, hola, hubba, tail fried, chuckle, lucka, wanna jubba, yeah. et cetera. Well, you can tell that they establish, or maybe over singing this song over and over again during these walks in the in the school, that they have certain sounds they like to put certain places. So they like to start the verse with like a like a k sound, like the cow cow, mm-hmm. and they really like to end lines with the like lubba lubba dubba kind of sounds. And they yeah. also like starting the later lines with the like chicka 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 something something. Yeah. So those are like sounds they really like. And the way that I hear the song is maybe this is someone who's just like so hungry and so yeah, like yeah, yeah, going yeah. basically just... literally going crazy because you're so hungry and then you stop and you kind of explain yourself there's like when the music stops you're like listen this is how hungry i am yeah you're so hungry you're just thinking you're not even thinking the only words that are like the full words are cow chicken fried <laughs> you know and so uh words like that and then the rest are just like hubba hubba jabba jabba jigawa lubba hubba dippa zippa dippa woody woodpecker it comes yeah, in it comes later too. Yeah, yeah, and the, I think it's in the second or third verse. Uh, in the second verse, so we might as well actually go through what the the what the verses say. I've already done the first four lines. I'm yeah, looking should at. Should I a, play? Should I play it again? So like, before oh, of course, we yeah. can go let's, through. Let's, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's so good to hear, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, one second, let me get the playback. Okay, here we go. I love too because you mentioned already wisely the very strong backbeat in this song mm-hmm. that makes it. This combination of rock and doo-wop, it should have shouldn't have been so short-lived because it's such mm-hmm. a wonderful sound. And then the horns come in um right away, uh d- predicting the the vocal line that da 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 right, which is gonna come in with the cow cow hoo ba ba da. I really love it. So yeah. here's the thing. So, and he says some stuff, stuff being fried in there a couple times too, right? And I could be being influenced by the way that they've transcribed the lyrics, but I. I I, I, hear saw, I hear fried. I hear yeah. fried. Yeah. You hear wano. And so you're like, you're, you're thinking of someone who just wants food. They want chicken. They want some fried chicken. They want some cows, maybe burgers, chicken, lubba hubba. And of course, things like hubba hubba or lubba hubba make you think of the, you know, desire, but as a cartoonish desire, right? Like for hubba hubba, lubba meaning lava or something like that. Dippa zippa dippa. Um, and yeah, well, the other thing I really like too is, of course, it took me quite a few listens. To finally be the person who uh, I love that, mm. but then I didn't really notice until lately the bum bum he says at the end of yeah. each bum bum. So the the bass guy, the falsetto, and of course the lead, they're all over this song. There's all kinds of they're going in all these directions, and it's it's great. Uh, there's also the word mound. It sounds like mound chickalubba hubba. Yeah. So you think of like a mound of chicken on a plate. Yes, just fantasizing. But for sure, I have the the like. In my notes, I'm like, this is a song about hunger, 
and it brings us back to pork and gravy and it brings us back to a serious message but i mean it's really just about man this guy is hungry this is how hungry he is he can't he can't form words it's just like chicken chicken and like whatever cow cow and and so you're you're hooked right away because we've all been this hungry even though we might say it's a kind of like real serious hunger here but yeah we've been hungry like in 80s shows or, or when you see an animal or something on a comedy show and they look at a person and they just see like a chicken <laughs> leg or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in yeah. Place. Looking at foghorn leghorn and turning him into some fried chicken or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and here, this – apparently this verse has the woody, woody, woody pecker pecker at the end of it. Well, that would be the one that's coming up next because then they do that. Oh, that's do that the again. next verse. Do, do, okay. do, do, do. Yeah. yeah. And then the next verse. Wait, why don't we listen to the 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 little the first little spoken word section, which is all they say is do that again. And then yeah. back to the second verse. So let's do okay. that. Let's play. <laughs> do that again. Do, 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 do. Oh, sorry, I stopped a little bit early. But uh, yeah, I love the how when they have the spoken word parts, there's just the perfect amount of silence. And it, sometimes it's very, very short. But for the comedic value of this song, that they always come back with a bum 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 and then back to the yeah. And, and, uh, yeah it's just, <laughs> And the do that again is 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 in perfect goofy great style. Do that again. It's got yeah. like a. It's got you can hear almost surfing bird being predicted. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is an insane man. He's been turned insane by hunger, or it's just teenage boys who haven't eaten in an hour or two or something like that. And that's how hungry they are. So you can take it as a serious expression of hunger, but in done in a you know kind of uh, innocuous. Well, I wouldn't call this innocuous. This is a revolutionary kind of song. This song could like you know, destroy governments. It's so insane. There's so much gong show in it, but at the same time, you can just, you can look at it to whatever level of severity you want. But um, yeah, I, then we get back to this versus the cows are back and the, the chickens and the hubba But yeah, the, it's a lot of how, how round hibbin in a hibaloo, how loud lubbin in a blah, blah, blah. And then went down truck a luck a wanna do a, hey. and then we get to woody, woody, pecker, pecker. Where, people don't say this anymore, but I, I remember that when I was a kid, um, you would have in cartoons. I don't remember ever hearing someone actually say this seriously, but like uh, a male character especially would see a f an attractive female character and they would go yeah. hubba hubba. And of course we had yeah. hubba baba. I think it was bubble gum. So mm -hmm. where, where was this expression from this hubba baba hubba hubba is where did mm -hmm. it, was I actually don't source? know. Yeah, we should we should get this week's intern javelin. To look it up for us, uh, so I'm going to put it down on a note and uh, and put it in the nomadic tube, and send it off to him. Uh, hubba origins of phrase hubba hubba, and we can get back to you, uh, the astronauts and you on that because uh, we do want to know that. But yeah, I, I as I was mentioning, I think of it as like an expression of desire. Here, it's not for a woman, but it's for yes. the food. It's this yeah. like you know salivating not for a woman, but salivating for chicken. And burgers, and even maybe Woody Woody Woodpecker Pecker. I, I'm so hungry, I'll even eat. Yeah, Woody Woodpecker. Exactly. Like a you're bird. watching a cartoon, and you're like, man, that guy, <laughs> he looks good. Woody Woodpecker's getting nervous. A soup this is a super cartoonish song, but again, it's it's about hunger. It's about being really really hungry. So um, yeah, so that we get to the Woody Woody Pecker Pecker, which adds to the cartoonish quality for sure. And then let's go on because then we get to the after Woody we get to that really first long 
spoken word part, so we should probably play that. The wish sandwich part. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'll pause so we can discuss them. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Hmm, did you overhear of a wish sandwich? Well, it's the kind of a sandwich that you're supposed to take two pieces of bread and wish you had some meat. Okay, so the lines are, and I've got the wrong lines here, I just know, so mine might be the Blues Brothers too, but says something, or actually it's on the screen, so, well, oh, we don't have to, well, have you ever heard of a wish sandwich, and then, well, that's the kind of a sandwich that you're supposed to take two pieces of bread and wish you had some meat, and then, bow, do, bow, bow, well done, comment. Well, it's also the way the guy sings, or says it, is really great. Uh, did Does he you have a tiny hear? bit of a, a lisp to, to his voice? I wonder. I mean, he does say uh, maybe it's just that he's because I, I w- I'll give him some credit. If this is the lead guy who's yeah. also doing this, he's been in like tongue twister contortions the whole time. <laughs> so I could see that having an influence. Did you ever hear of a wish sandwich? And he actually sounds like he's got kind of a smile on his face as he's singing mm-hmm. it. It's the kind of a sandwich that he's supposed to take two pieces of bread and wish you had some meat. No, and no, there's, no. there's reverb on it too. So you yeah. get that little bit of echo on it, which is just, and I wonder, I assume that's the same reverb that's on the rest of the vocal. So it's probably what they've got on the rest and then it stays here in this, but it's, I mean, Certainly no criticisms of this song, which is an absolute 10 out of 10. It's a perfect song. Yeah. Now, let's look into the actual statement itself. Have mm. you ever heard of a wish sandwich? So that's the first thing you hear. And anyone listening would be like, you wouldn't quite get it at first. You'd be like, a wish sandwich? What's that? And I love mm. that because you're wondering. You're At that point, you're really listening. The music is stopped. He asks mm-hmm. a question to the listener. Mm-hmm. And the listener goes, well, I know, if they're listening. And it also sounds weird because... Uh, sandwich has a word in it like wish. So you've got, yeah. have you ever heard of a wish sandwich? Mm-hmm. And then says uh, a wish sandwich is the kind of sandwich or something like that. Um, that you're, you're supposed to take two pieces of bread and wish you had some meat. So this person, as we've discussed, so hungry that they have the two pieces of bread, but they're not able to turn into um, into what they would consider a proper filling meal. And when I hear this and some other verses too, I sort of think of uh, a pr- reflection of of privilege in this and i don't here mean to put down anyone on a plant-based or vegan diet but this is the kind of thing that happens in privilege is when you're when you don't have that privilege you wish you're like i wish i had some food if i had some meat that would fill Mm -hmm. up my stomach for a while i would eat it and i would be nourished and i would feel so much better and i would have energy but i don't have that all i have is is just is just bread and i can't make a proper sandwich then when you have it then the next thing is to be like you you eat um in excess or you eat finer things that's the next level of privilege and then the next level of privilege is where you is when you refuse it you're Mm. like no i will no longer eat meat i have so much of it i can access it so freely that Mm. now i will just eat the two pieces of bread and it is my choice it is self-mastery it is discipline well i also when i hear this i also think that i I have a feeling like the chips didn't come up with this like this might to me in my the way I receive it is like it's an old kind of idiom like a mm. joke like it, it's gone around and the and they're just using it you know the I like made you a wish like, sandwich kind of thing like yeah like your grandfather would make a joke like yeah. hey have you ever heard of a wish sandwich? so my I, I could be wrong I don't want to take it away from the chips by the way one thing we haven't mentioned is they're called the chips and uh, <laughs> yeah and I, yeah how do we not mention that and I and and I didn't even think about it until I read that uh, PDF uh, which was on uh, Sammy Strain, and they mentioned that the they they called themselves the Chips because they said, "Well, we're going to be so successful, we'll be in the Chips," which I guess is an old idiom for we're going to be in, which means we're going to be so popular. 
that were going to be in the chip. But they also mentioned in this PDF that someone was snacking on potato chips at the time. So again, I think of them as teenagers, perpetually hungry young men, <laughs> and just going like, just imagine that the chips were always shoveling food into their mouth. And the moments in between their day where they weren't eating, they were thinking about food. I just like that that image but i do kind of get the sense that this might be like an old kind of like like my grandfather would always talk about you know how you say something to your grandfather like how are you going to get there oh we're going to go by shank's pony and which is like an old way of saying you're going to use your legs to go we're oh i thought you meant that we were going to take a pony no no we're going by shank's pony we're going on our two legs we're not going we're not taking a car it just sounds like one of those old timey kind of idioms a wish sandwich where like like one time I was at Subway and the guy in front of me said, drag it through the garden because he wanted all the vegetables on his sub. Wow. So I figured that back in like 1910, if you went to Subway, that that's, <laughs> that's what you would say. I'm going to say that next time I go to Subway um, and see what happened. Drag it through the garden. Drag that's it through great. the garden. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like that. I like that kind of language around the lingo around food. It really inspires great insane songs because probably our favorite song we've ever done, at least I'll say for myself is pork and gravy by the Delos on our food and drink episode. And man, those songs did, they're pretty wild. Like songs about ducks, songs about food, songs about the summer. They're the songs that are the most insane. So, uh, and so, yeah, that's the, I would say the first substantial spoken word section, but we've got to say structurally, this song has, it's really amazing for these, you know, cow, cow, blah, 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 blah. And then you get to, oh, well, that was pretty crazy. And then, oh, good. They're speaking normal English. Did you ever hear of a wish sandwich? What's well, the kind of a sandwich that's supposed to take two pieces? It's like the way he says it, you're like, no, it's still insane. You're right. It's the way, <laughs> the way that he's speaking makes it so much more insane because there is a little bit of a smirk on his face, but mm -hmm. it's just a beautiful thing it's beautiful and, and, and the fact the fact that the song is so fast and they just give you these like br brief breaks and then they go right back to whoa and it comes back in so tight right and yeah. so like just right on time and just with a certain like freight train kind of determination yes. to the backbeat and the, where you're just like ah you're driving me insane here that's, that's why it's so good I, for the scorsese scene we're uh yeah yeah it's true it's true it's true insanity i'm gonna talk more about termite trash in the second song we do mm. but we've talked about before by the way it's supposed to be panama francis on drums who is a, a great session drummer of the time who's i think been on quite a few songs we've done before we should do a little more research into panama francis actually panama is. yeah yeah it's, it's a great a name for a drummer but or an intern uh, or an intern but you know one day hopefully we'll get someone naming their kid panama or panama francis maybe a one long name um but it's just inspired like uh and also i was going to say about that you said the freight train kind of backbeat i think of one of my favorite songs with favorite drums ever is uh i can never remember what bo diddley's song it is but i think it's bo diddley but there's one where it's like, boom, bup -a -doom, bup -a -doom, bup -a -doom. yeah, it's Hey Bo Diddley. That's the one I'm thinking of. The drums are wild in these 1950s rock and roll records, especially the rock and doo Like, Because sometimes the drums are just like, boom, crash, boom, crash, boom, crash, boom, mm. crash, boom. And I think that's some of the best drumming you can ever hear. Forget about this. You know, I just went to see Stereo Lab last night. And I was like, man, they have a good drummer. There's a guy who does, he does the kind of drumming they need. And he does it so well. And that even as a non-musician, although I had played drums briefly in grade seven uh, Eastview Junior High School band, you're like, oh, I can now tell when the songs are going to end because the guy does like a little slight thing where he goes, bum, 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 ba bum, ba bum. And then, then the band must know that's the cue for us to end. So you realize the drummer and a lot of people, drummers are happy to hear this, uh, but I always hear people say it to the point where it almost feels like a cliche. I hang out with people who like drummers 
and they go, the drums are the most crucial thing. But in a song like this, if you didn't have that, and it was just a, a less, if it was more of an acapella doo-wop song, it'd still be great, but you really want that backbeat to just make it give you that extra sense of the freight train insanity. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this an immortal song. One of the best songs we've ever done. I'm lucky that like when, as soon as you and I decided we should do nonsense songs, when the first song pretty much that popped in my head is, well, rubber biscuits gotta be it. Cause it's insane. It's full of nonsense vocables, but it's also these spoken word sections that are surreal and super weird in, in their own. There's, I, I keep repeating it, but I just keep saying I'm so impressed with this, like as a product, as an artifact, as a work of art. This song is wildly crazy. Well, and one thing we haven't mentioned is that in the spoken word part here, you get something that is um, in a way could someone could very easily say not funny at all. Like hunger, yeah. uh, po- po- possibly, probably poverty. Well, that was mm-hmm, hard to yeah. say. And, yeah, and yeah. then. So they make the statement in in a uh, canvas of silence, you mm-hmm. know, two pieces of bread and you wish you had some meat. And then, do, 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 and just to go right back into incendi that they don't go into like a sad part or like a mournful trumpet solo or something. Yeah, they don't give you time to scratch your chin and think, hmm, although... They didn't expect that in 60, 70 years, there was going to be, now we're sitting here analyzing the lyrics, basically verse by verse. So let's go to this next one, because actually mm. there's a few things I want to say about it. So well, I, I might just read it out, and then if you want to play oh, it. Oh, sure, sure, great, great, yeah. Yeah, so I guess this is the third verse, cow, cow, lubba, and a blubba, lubba. I like hell ride, hibbin and a zippin'in. So hell ride, the word hell comes up a few times. Yeah. It sounds like how love a male, take a lubba hubba. Hey, ride, want to take a recca recca. How low, take a lubba hubba. But this is the line. Hey, ride, wanna and suppa suppa. So wanna suppa suppa. So like, you know, again, that's another expression of hunger. Wanna suppa suppa. Hey, low, a male, take a lubba hubba. Hey, ride, a hippin and a hubba no. High low, and some a chickawa. And then we get to the ricochet biscuit part, which I think is going to be important too. But I just wanted to point out that even the nonsense vocables aren't so nonsense as we've yeah. already pointed out with the chicken and the, you know, the, the, the cow and the fried. And then we've got wanna and suppa suppa. So it's obvious like that there's more going on here than meets the eye. But I'm, I swear to God, the first hundred times meet, I listened to this. The meets the eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, there you go. And <laughs> I think the first hundred times I listened to the song, all I really liked and cared about was like, it sounds cool. But then you go, wait, there's actually more going on. And that helps your enjoyment of the song, but you could also enjoy the song without ever thinking about it deeply at all. So that's another great thing about the song. That's what's great about the great songs in the world. Like rubber biscuit is they can be enjoyed the first time you listen to them. They can be enjoyed the fit and they can be enjoyed on all these different levels, all these deep levels of meaning. Um, Mm -hmm. Un, unlike a song like Mr. Tambourine Man, which maybe you can hear it once or twice and you're like, eh, that's all right. But this one, it just has so many levels to it. I, I like whenever we talk about a song like this, we definitely always end up contrasting with Bob Dylan. And we're always <laughs> Bob Dylan again. He's, he's left wanting Leonard Cohen. Same thing. Can you imagine that Leonard Cohen version of, of this song? <laughs> Actually, I kind of would like to hear that. Cow, cow, blah, blah, blah. Like be really slow. Oh, I would oh. love it if he actually... Oh, I can't do a Leonard Cohen impersonation at all. Like, <laughs> well, um, yours is better than mine. That's but the I'll, kind of sandwich that you're supposed <laughs> to take. I'll get more proximity if I that you're supposed two pieces of bread. Yeah, he would. He would probably like somehow make it like. But you know what? I would like. I like the thought that he would all of a sudden just rise to the occasion, like. 
you'd hear him go cow cow la ba. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't know he's. <laughs> yeah, he just really goes. To, it sounds just like you're like, oh, it's really good. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, man, he's really. Like, and why not? Like these guys, guys like him and Dylan grew up in the '50s, so they probably have a connection to this kind of song where they could probably give it a give it a ride. So I I, I don't want to say that they're. I mean, karaoke ability of the song is one of those ones where if you could do it. Then it's ten out of ten, but oh, it would be yeah, funny. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. It would but, be funny to see people fail. But this is this could be your. You know how everyone wants to do something like you know I want to show you how virtuosic I can sing. Oh yeah, can you do Rubber Biscuit by the Chips? But there's probably someone obnoxious out there that would do it in the uh, the sort of Blues Brothers style or something. Uh, this is like when I worked at the library. I had this guy come in. He's like an average Joe. Uh, you know, maybe thirty years old. Uh, comes. I'm I'm work. I'm somewhere out in the stacks of the library, like the shelves. And this guy comes up and he's like, hey, I'm looking for the book Ulysses by James Joyce. And I was like, oh, OK. I, and I, I sort of thought there was something a little strange. And I was like, why are, why are you looking for Ulysses? And he said, well, I'm going on a trip. My family and I are going to the beach. And I saw some list of the greatest books ever. And Ulysses was number one. And I said, I'm not sure Ulysses is exactly what you're looking for. <laughs> you might want to get two books and have Ulysses there. But you've got this other one. This would be sort of like if someone goes like, I read that Rubber Biscuit is the greatest karaoke song of all time. So I'm going to sing that like, well, that's just, maybe you should do The Gambler by Kenny Rogers first because it's yeah, a good yeah. got You know, know when to hold him, know when to fold him. Then you can maybe work your way up to Rubber Biscuit, which is a great karaoke song. But I, I guess the thought about this is that this would, be, this would be a definite fun song to master and sing. But your attitude towards it is, would be very telling. And when I say you, I mean the you all kind of you, like all of us. So you want to make sure that you didn't do it just to show off to people. But it, it could almost be like a weird kind of uh, uh, smugness. Like, do you know all the lyrics to Rubber Biscuit? Well, I do. Okay, okay. I love that. So you, you could kind of ruin the song a little bit by taking it too seriously, even in that kind of respect. And yet at the same time, there is something to be said about how fun it must be to actually get the lyrics you'd probably still make a few mistakes but it doesn't seem like there is any canonical version of what the lyrics are i don't think they wrote it down i would bet you i don't think at any point the chips wrote this down I, i'd like to know though i think the chips just let it fall where it may oh nice <laughs> the interesting thing about karaokeing a song like this is if you're out obviously when you karaoke it's best to face the audience and not um, be staring at the screen at the lyrics. Yeah. But like Jay, as Jay and I would often discuss, you, you're supposed to do the glance and go where you look back, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look yeah. back at the lyrics on the screen. Then you turn back to the audience and you sing toward them, the glance and go. But sometimes you'll see someone do a song like this and it is good, but they're singing the exact lyrics of something mm. as complex as this. And they're not looking at the lyrics at all. And it smacks a little bit of practice, you know, and you're like, it is good. Mm, that's exactly. But, but yeah, it can sort of descend into something where you you resent it a little bit because you, yeah, like, you practice karaoke. You don't want this guy to be practicing like a heavy metal guitar solo or something to yeah. hit it all. The right you would want someone to just come in like, here's the best karaoke version you could ever get of this. Is that all of a sudden a guy just walks in. He just rests the microphone from the karaoke host. He presses the right buttons and he just does without looking ever, even no glance ago. And let's imagine that he's like a really slovenly looking guy with like a big <laughs> white hair and big white beard and a, and a white sport coat and white pants. And then he just does like an insane version where he just like kind of starts yelling in the lyrics goes through the song even better he brings a band in with them and they play and then they leave immediately and you're just like what just <laughs> happened like and i would love something like that to happen where then the guy then he's he doesn't even stand around for applause or people going like who are you he just comes in and does that 
has a guy playing drums and a sax with him, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam, and maybe someone going, ooh, 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 but um, boom. That would be amazing. Let's and it turns it out it was the ghost that lives on the second floor <laughs> of the karaoke. Bar. The Rosie. Every <laughs> good karaoke bar has to have a ghost living on the second floor, the second floor uh, dining room mezzanine of the restaurant <laughs> that it's in. As if you listen back to our whatever episode we talked about, karaoke and Rosie's in Edmonton. That, that would be, be a good joke, ghost. It's not an in joke. A good ghost yeah. that just goes around going like, Meow, cow, cow, chicka, butter, like it's just a really hungry ghost that's just crazy for food all the time. Because anyone yeah. who's had pets knows that your pets get like this state too that's it described in the song where your pet just seems to be going insane. Yeah. And, and pets do speak gibberish to you, right? Where they're just going like, I'm making sounds and I'm trying to express <laughs> to you how hungry yeah. I am. Yeah, basically, this song would be not only a big hit with kids, like I mentioned, but with animals. This song yeah. has the has has like the idea of kids and small puppies and cats even just yeah. going crazy. Like there's something about this song that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's got, a, it's got a lot of energy in it that just makes you, it's definitely just a, a smile inducing song. Let's get to the ricochet biscuit. Yeah. Cause we've got to analyze that yet. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And talk about that. So I don't think we're queued up to that, but if you just want to play it from wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll stop after ricochet biscuit. Does that sound good? Yeah. Hmm. The other day, I ate a ricochet biscuit. Well, it's the kind of a biscuit that's supposed to bounce off the wall back in your mouth. If it don't bounce back, <laughs> you go hungry. Do, 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 Oh, the crying bit. The <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, so one thing I noticed is that he, uh, um, I think it's every single time that he goes into a spoken where he goes, hmm, he does that mm, first. Yeah. And then he's got that tone of voice. The other day, I ate a ricochet biscuit. And I don't think that's his normal voice. Well, that's it. And I also like that he, he doesn't even wait for like the, um, you know, the, he's that kind of guy like, I ate a ricochet biscuit. And then you can imagine something going, pausing to like, you go, wait what's a ricochet but, but he doesn't even give you that i ate a ricochet biscuit well that's the kind of like he goes right into it like oh i wasn't gonna ask you because he, he knows you're... you don't know what a ricochet biscuit is he's like I, I might as well just tell you and then of course the part that's so great is the uh if that's supposed to bounce off the wall back in your mouth if it don't bounce back <laughs> that little crying gag yes. that he does is so good it's so great yeah. it might be the royalette of the song i think yeah. besides the little falsetto uh backing yeah. in the the verses as well i think so here's then, an interesting thing about the Royalette itself is a song like this. Um, it's like, how do you sort out like the whole song is like a big Royalette. So the key mm -hmm. becomes to like raise the bar for a Royalette for a song like this to where you pick out the most Royaletty or the Royalettist <laughs> moments out of it. Yeah. 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 And then I always, I really love how just because the going back out of the spoken word part back into the nonsense versus is that going bo -do -do -bo. <laughs> it's so good yeah because it, it's, it's like great. a beautiful comedic moment but musically it works so well ah this is the kind of song that anyone who does creative stuff uh there are times when you do something off the cuff and it at least it seems at the time really magical and mm -hmm. you're like, oh, well, we would never be able to capture that quite as magically as we did at that moment. And sometimes you try, but it's never quite the same as at least you remember it being at that moment. And then there's a few things in the world that are like this, where they do capture it. They seem to yeah. have figured out what made whenever they sort of improvise this the first time or put it together the first time. And they've they've made it so that they can repeat it or else it just happened at this moment when they were in the studio and they did it again. 
It's definitely one of the great, like, wild, just nonsense rock songs of all time. And there is, a, of course, a a real uh, rock and roll has to have these kinds of songs. We do have to have the Mr. Tambourine Man's a song that make you think about, like, you know, whatever you think about when you think what about What is Mr. Tambourine Man about? Does anyone know? <laughs> I'm actually trying to think about it. It's like, <laughs> take me for a trip upon your... I'm doing the Roger McGuinn magic <laughs> swirling shit. So it, it's kind of nonsense, can too. seem to... Gr- now I'm going back to the Dillard person. <laughs> <laughs> so, now all of a sudden it's like, it's it's it actually just seems as much nonsense as because uh, what <laughs> right, right. We should, take me on a trip we should upon, add it to the episode take me on a trip <laughs> upon your magic swirling ship <laughs> just it's just that it's words right instead of nonsense vocals that's what really yeah. gives this song its power but mixed in with these you know spoken word parts it's well, great it's just wild even some now no, I don't want to start talking about Bob Dylan but something like suburban homesick blues is that what it's called it's kind of nonsensey as well where he's just sort of playing with language yeah good point yeah I I think I think that there's got to be some connection like um yeah yeah I don't know uh, let's just keep talking about the song otherwise yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, float yeah. off into the stratosphere yeah um let's so, go should we go to the next because we want to get to the next spoken word part oh, oh, yeah. but we can definitely listen to the next I guess it's the fourth verse of the nonsense vocables and we yeah. might find something in there too. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm gonna play it. The other day, I ate a cool water sandwich and a Sunday go to meeting bun. Cool water sandwich and a Sunday go to meeting bun. So let's go through cool water sandwich. So the other day I ate a cool water sandwich. Oh, can, before we do that, can we, can I just Absolutely. mention a bit about some stuff that's in the fourth verse there? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's back to it's back to the word supper coming up. How long, long supper dubba? So it just sounds like he's like, how long until supper is ready? And then there's a lot of lubba hubbas in there. And then the word blubba makes me think of, oh yeah, it's like blubber, fat. So you're chewing on like something. It just I just want to mention how the nonsense vocables really focus on the food aspect as well. And I and was so, also that verse really enjoying the falsetto vocal at the end of each line again, doing that. And then they do a or something yeah. like that at the end of each line. And he sort of switches it up in a really yeah, fun That's way. the thing I noticed. Yeah, I, lots of times that I listen to the song, I notice he goes, like, I can't do it right now. I'm post-COVID right now, so my, my falsetto is definitely off. But he'll go, ooh, 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 But then sometimes he goes, ooh, 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 ooh. And then you're like, wow, it's actually, I wonder if he's got some sort of method for how much he he does. But there is yeah. something going on with those vocal in them. If you're a true enjoyer of this kind of music, you're probably like us, the kind of per- people who listen really closely after you finally honed in on that aspect. So you listen to that part of the song and then you kind of let go of the, the nonsense vocals and you come back to them and go, my God, this song has just got so much <laughs> to listen for. But yeah, so then this is a really important. Uh, now, I've been online looking at the cool water sandwich. I did this like over a, a year or two ago, I remember. So some people argue because the the Blues Brothers version of this song has a part. There's a version where one of the Blues Brothers explains that a cool water sandwich is a watermelon. But I like the interpretation. This isn't an original interpretation. I got it from some. There's actually um, a forum. I think it's called straightdope.com. And there's a forum. If you Google cool water sandwich or Sunday go to meat and bun, there's an argument going on about it. And some people say, no, a cool water sandwich is just another way of talking about a glass of water. And a Sunday go to meeting bun, one person weighs in and says, when you go to church, 
and you get the communion wafer. That's the only thing you get, right? You can get that. That, that sounds right. That sounds yeah. right to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was agonizing over Sunday going to meeting. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's important. Well, so Sunday going to meeting is just like an, uh, I guess like an old way of saying like to go to church. It's su- a Sunday. Well, we got to go to meeting. Well, and you would say Sunday go to meeting dress or something. Put on your Sunday go to meeting shoes. Sunday go yeah. to meeting dress. Yeah. So, Sunday so, go to meeting. And so, and of course, it's got meat in the word too. And you've pointed yes, that out. That, that's why it works really well. And uh, cool. I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but cool water. Was it cool water? Cool water sandwich. Cool water sandwich. That also reminds me of a cold water flat, you know, which I would read about mm. when I read about Greenwich Village and the folk scene and stuff where you would have these apartments in New York that didn't have running hot water. So it, it also – I don't know if that is anything with the lyric, but it makes me think of that. And Sunday go to meeting. Yeah, definitely there's the thing about the like – I think you've got it. I think it's the the community. Yeah, for- and it's – yeah, I, I got it from someone on that forum. But I think that that's a good way of looking. It's like the, the only kind of food you can expect on – at least on Sunday, at least you'll get something. You get that little tiny communion wafer if you belong to a, a Christian church and you're doing the communion, the Eucharist. And it's not a tasty thing, right? It's just a little sliver of unleavened bread and it's not supposed yeah. to be food really. So you're yeah. just dealing with that and you get some water right as well. So to call it a cool water sandwich. But yeah, some people interpret it as – um, as if it's watermelon and I'm like, well, watermelon would, is definitely something tasty, but it's something that would be unsatisfying. Like, you know, uh, at least for you, you'd enjoy it as dessert maybe, but it wouldn't be something that you could eat. And it makes sense to, for it to be something that would be paired with these on the Sunday communion wafer. Um, I think that makes sense that those are two things together. That was some glass of water. Although, although I remember the church that I went to, they, they, they gave us, they actually gave us wine, even the kids. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you get some wine. It's sort of, but it's sort of like a kind of like really like watered down kind right. of wine. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. or less just like grape juice. Yeah, we had that too. But we, yeah. when we were kids, we didn't get up to uh, do communion. They, we only did it very occasionally because they didn't like us being up there. We were in Sunday school. And then when we would do communion, everyone was trying to make each other laugh. So you'd spit out the communion wine. So I remember <laughs> that really distinctly. So we didn't get up to do communion until maybe you were older after you've been confirmed in the church. My parents are Church of England. And then, uh, and then you're allowed to sit with the adults, but I never, never got confirmed. So I, mm. I was like, look, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> church takes too long, man. So the fact that they mentioned church in the song is also kind of significant because they're like, well, at least you can get that little sliver of communion wafer, but there's no way you're going to be, you know, excited about it. So anyway, that's definitely one of the lines there where there's, I think it validates our podcast and the things we do. Cause they're like, Hey, there's people arguing about it online. And what better thing to argue about is like the lyrics of rubber. <laughs> I agree. I yeah, like yeah. that. I think that's the kind of world I want to live in. So, and now we're moving into the, the last verse and then the last, you know, spoken word part and the, and the classic ending of the song too. Yeah, so yeah, maybe so do we want to yeah, play the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. Hmm, what you want for nothing? A rubber biscuit? Do, 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 I just ah, love that 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 doo-wop ending of the whole band coming in. Cow, cow, ooh, ooh. everything's perfect. And the biscuit. Hey, 
this is uh, out of the nonsense songs we do. Two of them have a rolled R in them. Yes. The, the third yes. one we do is going to have that. What do you yeah. want for nothing? Arrabada biscuit. Arrabada. Um, I, I think somebody does a nonsense song. You're really into the, the sounds the mouth can make. Sort of the and one yeah, of the sounds you would enjoy would be the sound of like a. I don't do it well, but the rule. And we'll talk about that because I think when you get to the third song we're going to do, which is a parody of the what English sounds like. So some of you now, if you haven't read the descripto, are like, oh, I think I know what song this is going to be. Because we don't do that in English. We don't roll our R's, right? It's not part yeah. of We don't have a single word where you have to roll R. So, and some people can't do it, but to roll an R is like a suspiciously non-English uh, vocal sound, but it's definitely good. Here, a rubber biscuit. And we should pause for a moment on what a rubber biscuit is. It's that kind of thing that, I guess a rubber biscuit, is it like a toy for a dog or something? You know, a little squeaky toy that looks like a biscuit, but is actually just a, a rubber thing. And you imagine like how unsatisfying it would be to like think that you have food and it's just an illusion. You go to take a bite and it turns out to be rubber. And you're like, no, that's <laughs> the other thing about this song is like, oh, finally, I've got a biscuit. And of course, a biscuit here, meaning something like kind of a um, a, a big American style kind of biscuit, you know, when they have biscuits and gravy and things, not biscuit as in like a British kind of cookie type thing. It's like something that's maybe even got meat in the middle of it. And so it's a rubber biscuit. It's something that like we had the ricochet biscuit. Was that a ricochet biscuit as well? The word biscuit comes up twice. The kind of biscuit supposed to, yeah, so, so that's a, that's also like, there's two types of rubber biscuit. The ricochet I, biscuit. Yeah. I do wonder, I wonder if the rubber biscuit and ricochet biscuit might be synonymous, you know, hmm. I, but I don't know because because certainly a rubber biscuit sounds like something that could bounce off a wall. What yeah. what else could the ricochet biscuit be made out of? Well, that's the thing. Is, but then if it turns out to be a rubber biscuit and the ricochet biscuit, you still go hungry, right? Because you you'd okay. bounce it off the wall, and then if if it don't bounce back, hey, so that's the thing that's interesting. If it don't bounce back, you go hungry. But you would rather have it not bounce back because if you had a ricochet bit or if you had a biscuit you threw against the wall and it just plopped down, you go, oh, good. Now I know it's not made out of rubber. It's possibly actually food. But if a ricochet biscuit bounces off the wall back in your mouth, then you're like, hey, wait, is this just a rubber biscuit? I think there might be a trick in the lyrics here. <laughs> There's some sort of conundrum that that's uh, a, a riddle. I, I like that, that maybe the one time the ricochet biscuit actually bounces back into your mouth and you're like, oh, the reason it bounced back is because it's a rubber biscuit and this isn't food. Well, there could, there could be something here because the idea of going to communion and eating the communion wafer, even though it's a very complicated theological concept that I – possibly can't explain because i don't understand it but people always talk about it that the idea of drinking the communion wine is that it's the blood of christ it's a covenant you know and that it, it goes back to the last supper and that the the bread is supposed to be the body of christ right yeah. so that's about food transforming itself right and so the idea of the ricochet biscuit yeah. maybe this is a religious song or something what's the word for that Tran, trans transubstantiation yes, yeah yeah that's good wow impressive yeah. So I think maybe this song has actually got like a secret religious message, which I can't grasp, by the way, but well, I like to put it out there. No, but I like it in there being the kind of thing, because uh, what it reflects is that when you're a youth who is forced to go to church and mm. you end up there, mm. you're supposed to be having these really divine feelings and you're just like, man, I'm hungry, you know, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, you're yeah. like, I've got, or the, like the person who sings this song sounds like they've got so much energy. How mm. could they possibly sit in church? For an hour, however yeah. long church is, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why they're in the school for delinquents, <laughs> <laughs> guys. They this is like pure, like this could be the evidence that you, if you were to like sentence them to school at delinquent school, it's like, well, why do you think these kids are misfit? Well, look what they do. They write songs like this. <laughs> they can't. That can't be wholesome, savory at all. 
and but I like the idea now of going to church and the priest and you're about you're you're thinking you're gonna get some like really unsatisfying little piece of uh, communion wafer and instead he's handed you like a burger and then you look at him <laughs> and he's like uh-huh. that, yeah, that's how yeah. you make <gasps> yeah that's how you get like a churchgoer for life I would say if someone yeah, if yeah. a kid had that experience you'd be like so then I just went every week for the rest of my life you know I was I was really religious. Absolutely. Imagine if you got like just a good, uh, a good sandwich, you know, you know, yeah. let alone like a, a big fat burger. So just like, Hey, here's an egg salad sandwich. Like, you know, so look at your little peckish have this. Oh man. I love going to church. I'm going to get like a different meal every time. You know, something that just tides me over for the hour or so that you're there. Sometimes it's longer. I don't know, but yeah, there's a lot going on in this song. And I think we've, uh, we've at least uh, alluded to it and we've alluded to some of the debates that go on well, amongst other people who talk about the song. Let's talk about the ending too, just that last mm. like uh five seconds or whatever. Let's see if I can catch it. Yeah. Oops, I missed it. Let's go back a second. So they go back to the line that started the song, which is cow cow hoo, and then they do it. And they do just a, a very typical doo-wop ending with beautiful mm-hmm. – and they, it's a beautiful ending to this weird song, which mm-hmm. is frantic and frenzied and about hunger uh, and is insane. And then they just do a, a beautiful, typical doo-wop ending of that a, cow, a, a cow, beautiful, cow. It's Doo-woppers know how to end songs because they've got that nice ensemble. Everyone's been doing wild stuff solo like there's the yeah. falsetto guy there's the boom guy and then there's of course the the guy taking the lead who's kinrod johnson i guess and then at the end you all come together as an ensemble just to like blend your voices together but they also have that nice guitar kind yes. of part there and you don't even flourish. hear the guitar until that moment like there's yeah. probably guitar throughout the whole song but I, you listen and you're like is there guitar here i don't know you can't even really hear the instrumentation you hear the drums for sure yeah uh, you hear the bass for sure there's suggested piano and and sax yeah the sax definitely the piano you're like that piano but you're yeah. not hearing exactly what the piano is doing and then it's not till that last guitar uh flourish that you you're like oh guitar it's definitely the era of rock and roll the guitar doesn't matter much right yeah. it's 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 yeah. about having just really this song is vocals sax and drums which is a uh you wouldn't have any song that's only really vocal sax and, and then some really like barely discernible other percussion instruments that you mentioned right but i love how just if you're a guitar player in the song you have to wait to the end just go that's (laughs) it and why not because it's a great ending so you you were there at the end and i'd be proud i would like to be to find out who the guitar player was on this song but we do think it's panama francis on drums so um yeah a great ending of the song and it's just 100 wild ride the whole way so I feel like we probably only scratched the surface, but at least we got the discussion started finally in Garage Studies about the song. Should we move on to the next insane song? Yeah. And anyone else who ever thinks like, oh, in the past Garage Rock podcast, those are going to run, run out of songs at some point. We, I think this is episode 107 or 108 or something, and mm-hmm. we're just getting to Rubber Biscuit now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How you like me Can now? We- exactly. Exactly. And now we're getting to a song that a lot of people know and love from the 50s. It's from 1958, I believe. I don't have it written down, but I'm pretty sure it's 58. This is Witch Doctor by David Seville. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He said that... I 
told the witch doctor you didn't love me true. I told the witch doctor you didn't love me nice. And then the witch doctor he gave me this advice. He says that oh ee oh ah ah ting tang bang 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 oh ee oh ah ah ting tang bang 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 bang. Like you were a miser, and I'll admit I wasn't very smart. So I went out and found myself a guy that's so much wiser, and he taught me the way to win your heart. My friend, the witch doctor, he taught me what to say. My friend, the witch doctor, he taught me what to do. I know that you'll be mine when I say this to you. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bing bang. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bang bang. You've been keeping love from me just like you were a miser, and I'll admit I wasn't very smart. So I went out and found myself a guy that's so much wiser, and he taught me the way to win your heart. My friend, the witch doctor, he taught me what to say. My friend, the witch doctor, he taught me what to do. I know that you'll be mine when I say this to you, oh baby. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bing bang. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bang bang. Come on and ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bing bang. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bang bang. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bing bang. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bang bang. From 1958, Witch Doctor by David Seville. I don't have a lot of information on the man, although he's probably somewhat well-known. Ross Bagdasarian is the the name. David Seville is the stage name of Ross Bagdasarian. He goes on to become, obviously, the creator of Alvin and the Chipmunks, although this isn't Alvin and the Chipmunks. Some people online confuse this as an Alvin and the Chipmunks song. This is just the fact that David Seville created this audio experiment of, and eric you probably know better what he does he plays it uh, at he it, on a ah, how to how to explain what it is he's doing with the, the the sound of the voice there part of that confusion is probably that they re-recorded it with the chipmunks there's a oh. witch doctor that is recorded with the chipmunks so if someone goes to spotify uh and you look up witch doctor the the one that he does with the chipmunks and at the beginning of that one uh the chipmunks say something like well blah, 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 witch doctor and then uh, David Seville or Ross Bagasarian says, uh, yeah, I, I recorded this song a couple of years back. So they, they redid it. And and then so some people might be hearing that one. And I think in that one, the voice is supposed to be the chipmunks and not the witch doctor. Uh, what was the original question? Oh, is, well, the question how is, does he create the sound? Yeah, the, the sound, which is pretty simple. But for the time was like, you know, the first guy to do it. Uh, supposedly, or the first guy to think it was something usable in a song. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So uh, David Seville or Ross Bagdasarian was a songwriter uh, mm-hmm. and at the time, like, should have been successful because he wrote Come On to My House or something like that by uh, mm-hmm. Rosemary Clooney, which is a really creepy song when you listen to it. It's like, come to my <laughs> house. I've got I'll give you candy, although it's sung by a woman. And <laughs> and but it was written by this dude. This guy. And then, so he's like 40 something, I think, and he's not doing all that well. And he's got kids. He's got three kids, I think, just like Alvin Simon and Theodore, the chipmunks, and he's got a wife. 
and writing his songs. And they've got 200 bucks left, supposedly. And he takes 190 of the last $200 that the family has left. Sounds like a great idea. Very magic. <laughs> he writes a song uh, called Witch Doctor. And he gets, and he goes, and the, he's like, don't worry, I'm going to do something that cannot fail. And he get, gets a tape recorder, comes back with a tape recorder. Now, at this time, a tape recorder is something that you, not everyone has around the house, even someone who's a professional musician. Uh, mm. And he finds that supposedly he finds that if you so what we hear is speeding up a voice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, and and that makes sense. So we're hearing a sped up voice, but supposedly he created the voice by slowing it down to half speed, mm-hmm. then recording it and then speeding it up. I can't quite conceptualize what's yeah, happening. Yeah, that's why I'm having a trouble with it. It just seems like a simple matter of just speeding up the voice, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I I think in 2022 that. Like you can go in your computer and you can just be like, yeah, raise the pitch of this to whatever and you'll get a chipmunksy voice. But it was more complicated then. And I don't know how hard it was to make it like line up in terms of the timing and all that. It probably was difficult to do. But I mean, I don't know. It's Witch Doctor. Yeah. So we should talk about like there's going to be a lot to say about this song. And obviously, again, this song is another goofy great. I know this song yeah. from probably it's a, a dr me, demento like you you go on dr demento and you hear something like this you know? yeah this is a song as a kid if you got records before you were buying records on your own someone would probably get you a record uh songs that they know kids would like and it would probably have witch doctor by david seville and you'd love it because you'd be like well it, it's got ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, and you remember it right away like you're like, I, I got it i, I don't and need to be practicing it the album that you would often get where you would hear it would be the album goofy, goofy Grace. Grace. you yeah. hear us use that term but there is an album that i have like t- three feet from where i'm sitting right now i think i've got two copies of it actually because i bought it again accidentally at some point yeah it's a k-tail record i yeah. think right yeah but a ton of really amazing songs like alley-oop and, mm-hmm. and whatnot but another one that's always on there is purple people eater by oh, Shep yeah. Woolley. and purple people eater came out the same year as witch doctor using the same effect using the chipmunk effect and the purple people eater talks in this voice oh in the yeah voice. and uh and refer i think maybe and, and mentions the yeah meant so the purple eater it mentions uh short shorts by royal teens for one thing which was a hit mm. in the same year 1958 and mm, this song and we've done that song you look at the top songs of 1958 and they're absolute classics right and the uh, on wikipedia if you see the top singles of 1958 uh witch doctor was called number four so it was a huge hit mm-hmm. and, and uh another thing about sheb woolley that some people might not know is he supposedly is the guy who did the wilhelm scream oh that's right yeah 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 um which i just saw recently but i can't remember where now where i saw it but I don't know if it was a movie that I watched in the theater where they were actually putting it in there. I think it was uh, the the latest. Uh, I went to see Thor Love and Thunder, which is uh, directed by Taika Waititi, the New Zealand director. So that's Ooh. explaining why I went to see a Marvel movie. I don't know if it's Marvel. Anyways, was it, I, uh, it, was, it was all right. It wasn't as good as the first one that Taika Waititi did. But I'm pretty sure the Wilhelm scream is in there now that I think about it. So it shows that that guy knows what he's doing. Anyways, that's Sheb Woolley. David Seville. And and Sheb Willie are clearly guys who are riding the crest of the wave of what's going on in 1958. Like this kind well, of stuff is the, is there's a market for it. And yeah, because so in 1958, creating a novelty song wasn't like a stupid thing to do. Where people would maybe they'd look down on you. Possibly you probably didn't get the same kind of respect that the Everly Brothers got. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was a legitimate way to get a hit song. Like you see the top songs from 1958. 
Um, and there were songs like Yakety Yak and stuff, which are were mm. now, now the something like those old coaster songs get a lot more respect, but they were considered novelty songs as well. Mm-hmm. Sort of like this. Uh it's Witch Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's Witch Doctor. That's what it is. I mean, so let's talk about the song. Let's actually just go start going through it then. Um, yeah. There's there's vocals with reverb and it, the lyrics are, I told the Witch Doctor I was in yeah. love with And you. The, the reverb is almost like a slapback delay. It can be distracting. Yeah. yeah. Like, especially, it depends kind of what, what um, where you listen to it. Sometimes it seems, when I watch different videos, sometimes that little bit of delay or reverb um it's like especially because it's not over music a lot of the time because his vocal is basically isolated yeah. something about his vocals is that he, he's like he's david seville so he his his persona is he's playing like a kind of straight man even before the chipmunks he's not doing anything rock and roll with the vocals here although the song is definitely a kind of rock and roll so dun, 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 dun. yeah so, it's like a great balls of fire Kind of Frank Sinatra e with an oompa bass line, I, and and then these chipmunk. It, it's pretty. Oh, it's it's which it's, it's just that yeah, that's what musically there's nothing real special about the song. It's I mean it's catchy, right? Yeah. But it's about the lyrics. I told the witch doctor I was in love with. It you. tells and a so, story though. It tells a yeah. pretty solid story. It's very simple, but uh, yeah, it's like I I have a, a it's like a love potion number nine. I have a, yeah. a um, female love interest. She is not reciprocating my love. It's unrequited. I went to an outside solution. And just like Love Potion number nine, it's kind of magical, right? Yeah. Uh, or like Abracadabra by Steve Miller. Abra, Abra. <laughs> and these songs, they're all, they're all problematic now because now I realize it's like songs where you're you're talking about like trying to get a woman to fall in love with you by using nefarious means. Yeah, yeah. Case, she's not interested in me. I don't care. <laughs> I, and here. then. The other thing, thing with this song that uh, I briefly considered, I was like, maybe we shouldn't do the song because it's 2022 sensibility and such. And it's called Witch Doctor. But I feel like David Seville goes really light on any kind of actual, like, there's no, I'm going to contend. You could say that with the, the the actual hook of the lyrics, right? The the nonsense vocables that it's supposed to be kind of like some sort of African language or something. No, but I, 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 I thought I, the same thing. I was like, I, I'm surprised this song is not, I don't think it's offensive. I think a person could yeah. look for it. I think, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like, to me, it's just, it's kind of just doo-wop vocables. The Witch Doctor is never really given any kind of like, there's no sort of like portrayal of the Witch Doctor being from somewhere, except for there's a video of him performing it live. And he, the woman he's in love with is clearly dressed up for a safari. Yes. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what, but they, and, and, and you it, saw that where he's like spinning her. It's such, such weird, yeah, I'm putting yeah, quotes on yeah, special yeah, effects yeah, where yeah. it seems that he's supposed to be, it's supposed to be like a metaphor for him controlling her, that he'll flip the image or like move his hands. It's I, really I can't hard to determine yeah 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 it's it's hard to say but i i did the same as you as like look i just can't there's just nothing here that makes me go like look there's there's anything particularly offensive and of course for me it's about those great vocables which is like to me the sound of like being in love with someone it's like hubba hubba which we still need to get the answer on what that is and hey you know another thing here is i've listened to the song for years and loved the song for years and uh, I never realized somehow that in the, the second line, he says, walla, walla, bang, bang, instead of bing, bang. I had been singing it double bing, bang. <laughs> Wait, does he actually say that or are you hearing no, it? No, he not- actually said he, uh, it's in the lyrics printed out and it's what I hear, which means it's ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bang, bang. Bang, oh, really? bang the second uh, time. I, Let, let's I, hear it. I got him from, okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. 
which let's hear the double when it's both of them singing because it's a little easier to hear at that point if i can okay. find it i'm gonna have to edit here a bit when I say this to you, oh baby, yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. And I never knew that for years. Yeah. I, I, because when I would do it karaoke too, I would always say Bing Bang both times. There's gonna be people listening going, "What do I care if you think it's Bing Bang or Bang?" Listen, no, it's important. This it's is the kind of thing we care about. This is like this is the kind of thing that like if we didn't pretend it was important, then why are we doing? Because <laughs> obviously, it, I, 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 I heard it now that you mentioned. I'm like, yeah, okay, he does say Bang Bang there at the end. Now, um, it doesn't really change uh anything because it's it, it's uh still bing bang versus bang bang but i once you went back and listen to that i was like maybe his vocal is hiding a little bit of insanity and he's, he's doing because like oh baby the way he did it there is it's got rock and roll moves he's not singing like yeah. a rock and roll singer but he's still got a bit of that vibe because of the lyrics being you know what they are and and got a bit of that rubber biscuit. shanana does a version of this which kind of connects yeah. to that oh baby yeah uh it's definitely a rock and roll song for sure from the time period but it's just something about his straight laced vocal style but even then it's hiding the fact that he's got as this insanity he's got this love for this woman and this is the i love that the advice that the witch doctor gives him is well ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing. it's never explained it's just that's the advice and then and, you go and then it's i like that if, he's yes. happy with the advice he leaves yeah, yeah. like he spent probably paid the witch doctor and he's like oh i really paid him all right i really got this down and, and again, it's a song that when you hear it as a kid, you're like immediately intoxicated because you're not allowed to be intoxicated by anything but stuff like this, <laughs> right? And sugar, I guess. Right. You this know? is your this is your booze. <laughs> so this is the kind of thing that you make it hits you hard when you're a kid. You're like, oh yeah, this is the kind of thing I've been waiting for someone to to communicate in a song to me is ooh ee ooh ah, ah ting tang walla walla bing bang. I love Another it. thing about Ross Bagdasarian is that uh he died at the age of fifty-two of a heart attack. Huh? After, you know, being quite successful with the Alvin and the Chipmunk stuff. And um, and then so right away, I think because to me, it's except for pro wrestlers, not tons of people die quite that young at, at, of a heart attack. So I was looking up like now I feel bad about this. I was trying to see if he had bad habits or anything. And finally, I guess I saw an article from Vulture.com. Is that the name of a site? And I think so. Yeah. The title of the article was like the dark, angry Ross Bagdasarian, David Seville secret life kind of thing. And wow. I read the article and there was nothing in the article <laughs> that suggests that this is what they got to. They were like, okay, well, there's an article from life magazine from 1960 something where they're talking to, to Ross Bagdasarian, David Seville. And uh, they're asking him about his creative process and, and Alvin and the chipmunks. And he says, well, I've got a room that I go into in the house and everyone in the family knows when I close the door, don't go in there, which sounds a little bit ominous right right away. Uh, but he's a creative person. He goes in and does this stuff. He's a songwriter, right? And he, he does the chipmunks. And so he goes there and he's got three kids. And the youngest kid whose name is Adam, which in the article, they tie Adam to Alvin. They say, this is the kid that inspires the Alvin character. Uh, mm -hmm. Everyone else in the house recognizes this rule. They don't go in the room when David Seville is in there, except for Adam, the four-year-old. He just goes right in and start talking to him. And then he responds, like people who watch uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, they know David Seville, will, Dave will be like, 
Alvin. Alvin. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's Adam. Go, Adam, go, what are you doing here? So they're trying to imply that that's like he's full of rage, but there seems to be no <laughs> evidence. Whoa. I'm not saying he's not full of rage. Maybe he is, but in this article from Vulture or whatever, there's no evidence of that. I, I like the idea that the reason why he doesn't want anyone to come into his music room is that you find out you come in and instead of him using, you know, tape speeding up, he's actually got three little tiny chipmunks in a cage wearing little sweaters. <laughs> and they're actually like, he's like, I told you to do it again. They're like, but we're tired. This, this is, is amazing. <laughs> this is a concept for a film. This should be the next chipmunks film is that it's like, yeah, it's a secret thing. He's like, like he's well, taking I, I slowed the tape recorder and, and people are like, Oh, yeah, okay. He's like, oh, yeah, it wasn't that I have <laughs> actual singing chipmunks. chipmunks. And chipmunks actually speak, when they finally learn English, they actually speak in that high-pitched voice that sounds like I didn't actually do anything with their vocals. Or maybe, no, they speak like normal people. But then he did use the speed up, up tape, but on the chipmunks themselves. Well, isn't it weird that, so he released a song, Witch Doctor, with the sped-up vocals, and that was the gimmick of the song, and it became a number, like, legit three weeks at number one hit, and then released another song the same year called The Bird on My Head, with <laughs> another sped-up vocal that sounded almost exact like this one, but a tiny bit different, not quite the, this one is more like exactly the chipmunk sound, and then... Later at Christmas time, I and I think it's still 1958, he releases um, Christmas Don't Be Late. And mm. that's where the chipmunks appear. But you would think people would be like, the chipmunks, you've already done a couple other songs with the same yeah. thing. And one was a witch doctor, one was a bird. And like, but I guess, and then the chipmunks was the, that was the one that really took off. And he won a Grammy for for that. Oh, song. wow. Yeah, I remember that. So is that the one? Christmas time is here. Yeah. So with that, that, that. Oh yeah, isn't that isn't uh, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth? Is that the Chipmunks? No, or is that something else? That's a different song. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm getting I'm getting confused with like songs from my youth. But uh, remember, now this is not related at all. Is like, does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? That was yeah. a, a song that a goofy great, um, yeah. not done by it was one that, done by Lonnie Donigan. I actually remember that. Anyways, um. This song, I, I have some notes on termite trash here. For some reason, even though you could say rubber biscuit, it, it, it hits as well. We've talked about termite trash before. It's a, it's a phrase that came up from Dave Marsh in the book Louie Louie. He did he defines it as an insidious, insidious burrowing thing that always contains more than is possible given its surface dimensions. Um, he contrasts it with elephant trash, which is a kind of cultural product which tramples everything in its path and takes itself very seriously that's not exact that's a kind of a paraphrase but as termite trash this song was a huge hit and it's a song that pretty much everyone knows at least if you're a certain age i don't know if it has any hold over young people anymore because i don't know how they know the song but it's maybe youtube like maybe someone just redoes the song and puts it up it's made for kids it's definitely the kind of stuff that no matter what he says about it the idea of it being something that just like kind of the idea of termites burrowing under and, and ruining the, you know, your home or something like that is that this is the kind of stuff that we don't want to admit that people really want this kind of cultural product, but it means something. Now we, we were able to look at rubber biscuits say, well, yeah, this means something like it's about, you know, hunger and you can take it kind of on a serious way, or you can take it obviously as to be kind of a, a funny expression of a serious matter. But what's, What's this about then? Like, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, I haven't uh, determined that it, there's a deep meaning to it other than it's just a very cool. But, um, 
vocal. Culturally, these days, too, you get all these people who love to watch shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. And these are perfectly intelligent people who also consume, uh, you know, the Scorsese films and things of that nature uh, and, and smart stuff. But uh, they also love to watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Temptation Island or whatever. I've never watched any of these shows. I, I don't know what what's on them. But uh, – and they're, they're watching them and they always think – but I'm watching it, and I'm also laughing at it, or I'm watching it with mm. a wink. You know, it's tongue-in-cheek. Can you tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. watch, eye-in-cheek, whatever it would be? <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe that's sort of the way that people were confusing. Not kids, because kids would have loved this, but adults would have just been like, this is great. And it's a fun song to sing. It's a fun song to to listen to. Uh, what, where would this song have been without the high-pitched vocal, Weldon? Like, if he didn't have the – what if it was this song – but in the yeah. chorus, it didn't have. It I wonder because I wonder if it could have still hit if you had done it in a different kind of voice, maybe one that wasn't studio manipulated or tape manipulated. But still, I still think ooh ee ooh ah ah ting tang wall a bit because when we sing it, we don't do it in the high pitched voice necessarily. Yeah. So I think I think it could. I contend that it would still be a hit without i don't think this song actually even needs it like that the witch doctor has this crazy voice i don't even really consider it to tell you the truth because i have to go back to the song to realize oh yeah he uses the tape thing but i don't remember i only remember which to me is so crazy that anyone saying it already enters the spirit of termite trash and madness we and we didn't mention this but supposedly uh like ross pagdasarian um would was listening to the radio because he's a songwriter and he was hearing all these rock songs where he couldn't understand the lyrics apparently people Mm. have been saying this about rock and roll for a hundred years or it has been around quite that long Uh, and so he was sort of parodying this idea of lyrics Uh you can't understand and then he looked up from his seat and what he saw was a, a book called um the the duel the the duel with the witch doctor possibly. yeah that's right I, I read that too uh that there was a book with the title that that title and it was about yeah. i don't know i can't remember what it, it's obviously about something about to do with the witch doctor witch doctor being some sort of a figure of a, a kind of like pagan religious yeah. wise man right you know the my guy who's so much wiser who can give you the the way to a woman's heart and probably other things too. I assume because he's a witch doctor, he can he can heal you, and in this case, heal you of your unrequited love. Uh, well, th- there's a there's a naturalism here or a primalism as well, where it's like you've got this person, and when you see David Seville singing this song on Ed Sullivan, he's wearing a a suit and a and a like a kind of a fedora kind of hat and a tie. And what you've got here is that there's someone who's beyond this sort of civilized world who would have a better answer for how to. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, there's something kind of that, – that's an interesting thing to then think about the song is that he's kind of a square guy who's not yeah. really – because this song isn't really a rock song, right? It's There's something about it that just doesn't have a rock and roll swing. Like like compare it to Rubber Biscuit, which is like this is insane rock and roll music for its time. Yeah, it, like if you listen closely, you can hear like the, the, the drums. You're like, oh, this is like rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, this one has like a little less of that. It has a sheen of like, you know, guys that don't normally play rock and roll who are playing rock and roll chords. And and so this song has the real meaning of it then is, or it, it seems to be having something to do with what you're saying, which is his 
I don't understand this rock and roll stuff. It's just all ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting. And then, so it's actually kind of an anti-rock and roll song. And it's it's then a guy in a suit kind of parodying rock and roll, but not not in, not even aware of it enough for it to be, you know, offensive to rock and roll fans. So, because one of the things that's crazy about the song is, as you pointed out, it becomes number one. It's actually number one on the R&B charts. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. like, really? Because <laughs> so I would not have thought of this as an R&B song. Although it does have the instrumentation that you'd expect. Yeah, and the, so there's something the, going on there. The chorus, or I guess, no, it'd be the bridge section, like the, you don't you've been holding love from me just like you were a miser. And it's got that double time feel to it. That is a very R&B feel to the song at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I find, one thing I, I'm critical of the song is that I think the song would be way more effective if it, if it had ended around one minute, 30 seconds. Because then he goes back yeah, to the bridge. Yeah, he repeats at one for no reason, really. Yeah, and I feel like the song made its statement. But the, I understand that even in 1958, you couldn't have a song be one minute, 27 seconds. Mm. I don't know why you couldn't have just done one more ooh, ee, ooh. Uh, uh, ting tang and maybe had a solo somewhere in there to stretch it to two minutes but i feel like bringing back because there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of verses here there's just i told the witch doctor i was in love with you that's the first and then he repeats it and then he get, told me what to do i told the witch doctor you didn't love me true i told the witch doctor you didn't love me nice and then the witch doctor he gave gave me this advice then you've got that bridge part, which is you've been taping love for me just like you were a miser. And I'll admit I wasn't very smart. So I went out and found myself a guy that's much wiser. And he taught me the way to win your heart. Dum, 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 dum. But I'm like, okay, that bridge to me is okay. But then to repeat it twice, I'm like, eh, just say ooh, ee, You're right. That's a one-time bridge. I yeah. agree. I think that's a one-time bridge. I think the witch doctor would have told him if he had asked. He'd be like, <laughs> I have one more question. I'm working on this song. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, well, first of all, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, hobbing. you should try not to say as much else other than that. Because he's got the right <laughs> idea. In the verses, I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. Dun, 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 dun. I told the witch doctor. I was. Okay, good. You've said the same thing twice. And then, and then the witch doctor, he told me what to, so you've got a very short verse of just three lines yeah. and two of which are repeated. He said that, ooh, ee, ooh, uh. like, okay, good formula here. Back to the second verse. I told the witch doctor, you didn't love me true. I told the witch doctor, you didn't love me nice. And then the witch doctor, you get, so another three line repetitive verse. And then, ooh, ee, ooh, uh, uh, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing. Then you've got, again, the bridge, which you're like, all right, all right. Yeah, you may as well have a bridge there. And then. My friend, the witch doctor, he taught me what to say. There's a bit of a modulation there, too. So you could actually it does make modulate. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure. modulates. Course, yeah. So the modulation, you're like, oh, yeah. And then he should just go into, okay, let's just do ooh, ee. Let's bring it home with ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, repeated until we fade out. Maybe they could have done a done a drop chorus where they cut the music out underneath it. And they and that would have encouraged. I mean, everyone's going to be singing along with ooh, ee, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang anyways. But you drop that out. And then you just have that vocal, and maybe it's just the high pitch one in him going ooh ee ooh ah ah. But then you bring back the instrumentation, and you could just bring make that chorus drag out a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It does go on too long when you're listening. You're like, yeah, yeah. I got it. And I think the thing I've realized about the songs, I've always sort been of like of... the Alvin and the Chipmunk series. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. It's got this about 1994. I was. Yeah, well, I remember it being around in the 80s, and you're like, the L- I feel like the Chipmunks just kind of, like, didn't have enough of a gimmick, really, to, like, I mean, what is it, Alvin, Theodore, and then there was one other, and they all had distinct personalities. Alvin was sort of, like, the the mischievous one. Uh, Theodore is the, the taller one with the yeah. glasses, so one he, was I guess he's a nerd. Yeah. 
And then, and then there's the other one who I have no recollection of what the I think lot, that was the, the obsequious one. Oh, okay. I don't remember his name though. Or oh, Al- Alvin Simon Theodore. I remember because they oh, had a Simon. song that was like Alvin Simon Theodore. So is Simon the the nerdy one then, or is it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it, all we remember is Alvin is like the 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 one that's yeah. get gets the most plot. I He's think. the Bart Simpson. Sorry. Yeah, exactly, Alvin. So Alvin. So I don't know if he ever yelled Simon or because th- you can't say Theodore. It's three line. It's three syllables. It's not yeah, maybe that's uh, how Alvin became the uh, the rebellious. Yeah. And it, it, so that was in in nineteen by nineteen sixty one. The Chipmunks who appeared with that uh, Christmas song. They got their own TV show, which became a, a huge hit until I think around 68 or 69. But you can imagine if you were some like super talented person who had been trying to get their own television show for years and years <laughs> and years. And then like Ross Bank Center was, oh, so they offered the Chipmunks their own show. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah, because I can't remember a single classic Chipmunks cartoon. Oh, that one where Alvin did like, no, I don't remember anything to the Chipmunks. Like, <laughs> they, there's something kind of forgettable about them. So for me, the song Witch Doctor. I think I've come to a conclusion about it now that we've talked about it. I love ooh ee ooh ah ah ting tang wallaby. I just wish the song was just that. And then uh, maybe two verses about the witch doctor and that's it. Like to me, the essence of the song is obviously the chorus and the nonsense, but there's a, there's just too much like not non rock and rock and roll. Like it's a good song. Like I definitely enjoy the song, but I don't want to repeat, listen to it like rubber biscuit. He may have stumbled on an actual magical phrase because when mm. you hear that phrase, it is so whether you're a kid or even an adult, I think, and you hear ooh ee ooh ah ah ting tang walla walla bing, you're like, yeah, say that again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. And then you wanna say it. And <laughs> yeah. I I remember watching videos too where you'd see the words written on the screen and seeing them they look good too. They don't just yeah. sound good, they look good and they feel good to say. It's just the 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 song is a hit because of that phrase for sure. And uh just like hubba hubba walla walla is it's kind of ingrained in the it's got that kind of uh first of all there's a city named walla walla washington right so it's one of those places that just has that kind of north american or american kind of like ah see it's it's a uniquely uh, american style of like humor is to have words that sound like that i don't think there was ever any like waka british waka, right like, yeah, it doesn't, it, yeah exactly it doesn't like walla walla doesn't sound like british i suppose probably because you someone would point out probably what uh well enough and we're getting back into the uncomfortable stuff walla walla washington probably comes from like an indigenous language right it's probably a corrupted version of it but but you you still it still has that sound of like it's it comes back to the 50s and 60s and like the kind of grace they had that they could do these things without thinking about well is this a little bit questionable because now we're like well actually but the fact of the matter is this song is just ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ting, tang, wah, and it's fun to say. And so that the chorus really sort of is just the driving. This Now, you notice that we have, you pointed out something, I think that's probably the, the textbook thing here is that it creates a kind of feeling of a magical saying. We didn't think of that with, uh, with rubber biscuit. Cause this right. is about, you know, again, a different kind of transformation, right? We talked about rubber biscuit, possibly about like transforming inedible stuff into food and just, your desire, your hunger is so much that you actually are hoping for a miracle to feed you. A wish, this one, a wish sandwich, like a wish. Yeah, sandwich. and this is a wish to fall in love. I need this yeah. woman to fall in love with me, so I need to go to a pagan witch doctor, someone who from outside my staid suit and tie, go into church, you know, Sunday go to meeting. I got to go to 
like a, a disreputable pagan character and he will say Ooh, ee, uh, and, I, and then it at all it, it taps into as you pointed his primal you know pagan this is this is a song that you know the uh, people who go to um in england and they go to festivals like um so they go to stonehenge and they you know commune with the druids they'd be like oh yeah you should do witch doctor because <laughs> you know this is the kind of song that really speaks to your desire to get out of like society and get into something and also it's about finding love so the first song was about finding food this one's about finding love it, and it's like what what can we turn to to get to these things that seem impossible to get in one case it's young young men who are hungry possibly in poverty and this one is just a guy who's like look I want out of this boring routine. I need this mm. woman. He doesn't talk much about the woman and why he wants her. It's actually about his relationship with the witch doctor, which is really yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's what he finds his friendship. <laughs> yeah, I like, it's about the friends we found along the way. <laughs> Meaning the witch doctor. I like that. I found a really wise guy. Uh, one more comment about the sound of the song. Mm. Uh, doesn't it like, so when I hear the song, I always think, gee, it sounds like, like there's no way in the world you imagine that Ross Bagdasarian or David Seville is in the room with these musicians. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It almost sounds like these tracks have been recorded, and he's playing it on one tape recorder and with and in, in with another tape recorder running and singing over top of the other thing. It's like the ultimate karaoke song because it sounds mm -hmm. like karaoke in the song itself. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like it's just something about it that's not super rocking, like yeah. compared to Rubber Biscuit. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, there's something odd about it. Like the song, it's almost like the gimmick is really what the song is all about. Right. Like for for the listener, what he wants to, them to get. He doesn't yeah. really even care about the ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, or whatever. There's a lot going on. We've, we were uncovering it. Like the fact that it's it could also be possibly interpreted as sort of an anti rock and roll message. And he's just like a he's a counter revolutionary suit wearing guy going, right. Oh, yeah. Now we're now the, us 40 year old squares are on Ed Sullivan singing a pseudo rock song to you. We've infiltrated the industry. You can right. imagine instead and of he kept uh, Elvis off the number one spot on the charts. Elvis had go. a song called uh, Wear My Ring Around Your Neck or so, which is weird. I don't know what that means. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and that was number Maybe two. Maybe you should have kept that away. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I off. read the lyrics. I didn't. I just still didn't understand. It. And then uh, Witch Doctor kept Elvis from taking the number one spot. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So there's that. But then we've also determined that the song is also now about a kind of homosocial relationship between two men. You're just looking <laughs> as a guy. You're, as a guy, you're like, look, I want love, but what I really got out of is I met this guy, and he's a guy that's so much wiser, and I need a mentor. I right, need someone yeah. who takes me out of my state nine to five job. Sort of it's like, imagine, just imagine this. Imagine David Seville or Ross Bagdasarian wearing his suit with his, you know, wife and kids at home, and he goes off and he's hanging out with a witch doctor somewhere. Really, he's actually doing it. You're like. Oh, this guy's—he should have been around for. If he, it sounds like he died young, so maybe he didn't make it to the hippie era. But like, he could have been someone who could have unlocked that witch doctor. Would have then started saying some other things to him, like it's time for you to take some LSD, man, and get psychedelic. <laughs> yeah. Like, if only he could have collaborated with the witch doctor just a few more times. But he moved on, and he was looking for like more gimmicky stuff, and he really yeah, hit yeah. it. So you know, but uh, yeah, okay, I, I'm I'm satisfied with that. Uh, we've opened up possible lines of interpretation that I haven't read anything about personally. So I'd say it's a success. Do we want to move on to the next one or do you have any more, any final thoughts on Witch Doctor? No, let's move. Astute stuff. 
So, oh man, I just realized I don't have it written down, but I'm going to have to do my best with the title of this song. <laughs> and man, I'm already in trouble. I, I think part of the fun of the last third of the episode should be us keep trying to say the, the name. It'll be different every time. This song is by Adrian Celentano and it's yeah. called Pris and Colon Ensanan Chunsol. And it's from 1972. Pris and Colon Ensanan you're the cold maze, say one prison call in answer and I choose all. All right. When I stay in the shoes, and I will hold build the scene, then a whole red maybe get the color boss dying.
from 1972. I got his name wrong when I introduced him. It's Adriano Celentano, not Adrian Celentano. So sorry about that, Adriano. He's still with us. Born in Milan, Italy in 1938. He's still around. Actor, songwriter, performer, pretty famous guy in Italy. As a matter of fact, he's credited with being the person who popularized rock and roll in Italy. Didn't realize he's the rock and roll singer in La Dolce Vita, Fellini's movie. There's a scene with uh, Adriano Celentano doing Ready Teddy by uh, Little Richard. He's doing a wild version of it. And yet in that uh, movie, he still looks the same age. The guy has never looked like he's, he never looks young. He never looks really old. He just is perpetually middle-aged somehow. He's just an unusual dude. Like the way he dances, I guess I, I don't have the Italian name, but the, the way that the, he's known in Italy under a nickname that's about his like, the way he dances, something about his hips, uh, the fact that he's very flexible, uh, whatever that Italian word is for our Italian listeners out there, our Italian astronauts. Um, and this song is probably better. Uh, it came out in 1972, but it wasn't a hit. But then he performed it on an Italian TV show, and it's a video that you can see. Uh, it became a hit then in many of the European countries. And then here in North America, where we're podcasting from, uh, even though you may be listening in another part of the world, this became a big hit in the last 10 years or so. Uh, it was a, a person, I think it's from the website boingboing.net or .com. I don't know what it is. It's one of those websites that's full of like unusual content. Yeah. And speaking of uh, nonsense lyrics and like, ooh, yeah, ooh, boing, ding, ding, boing. Wallow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah exactly. So wallow, someone wallow, boing, boing. I think it was Corey Doctorow um, who found the video and said, hey, Let's share this. And it became viral because, of course, as uh, so we're going to be listening to the song and I think we're going to have a unique perspective on it. Although to say that someone who has, hey, I can speak English, that gives me a unique perspective. I'm one of the billions of people on the planet who's speaking the language that is the most uh, dominant one. But I, this is a song written by people who are obviously, and so in Salentano's case, he's writing a song. It's like, this is supposed to be gibberish, but it's supposed to be what English sounds like. Now, one thing I've noticed is that, and so we'll say more about it, but when, so that's how the song became viral here because the video is notable about the way he's uh, performing the song to a classroom full of students and he's presumably teaching them prison call and ensign trusol all right. And then they're singing along and they're doing this nonsense gibberish, but sort of English sounding to them. One thing I noticed is that when I look at the lyric sheet, it, it helps me out none. There's no help. I'm not even going to consult okay. that lyric website. I, it's when I hear it, I go, I can hear why it sounds a bit Englishy. I have a question about when people uh, transcribe the lyrics to this song. Why mm. do they refuse to put any English words? It's like they're they insist on not like when they yeah. say all right, they put like all right. It's like. Look, yeah. they're just saying all right. Just yeah, write the word right. all right. And they, they now, he says things like uh like maybe, like words mm-hmm. like maybe and stuff where it's like, no, he's yep. in something and eyes. It's like yep. just put those some are, English words down. Yeah, I got those dude. He definitely says maybe, he definitely says something. And there is a I think the Wikipedia page claims the only English word is all right. I'm like, no, he says some more uh, English words yeah. in there. Yeah, for sure. We hear him. And so, even in the transcribed lyrics, someone says doing, and that is definitely a English word doing unless it's doing because here's a like as someone who's interacting with English speakers who knows how regularly we we're not best friends with Adriano Salentano uh he's heard and and like anyone at that time where English was really like I guess a big deal that you've heard a lot of English and it culturally English is everywhere, right the movies the music and 
so if you if you're gonna say some things where you're trying to sound like English, you would have words like all right that are coming out. Mm -hmm. And when I lived in Taiwan, like all the Thai not all of them, many, many, many of the Taiwanese songs, when you got to the chorus, they'd be like, baby, baby, or they would mm -hmm. go, Oh my god. They'd say stuff like that. Oh, or, yeah. I love yeah. you. Those kind of phrases. And it was always the same ones. It was always baby, baby. Oh, and some of they would go, baby, baby, oh my God. They would put both in. And then mm -hmm. every once in a while they say, baby, baby, oh my God, I love you. And they get them all in. Wow. Now, I speak a little bit of Chinese, but poorly and very little. But let's say that I wanted to create a song in this vein where I tried to speak a language that sounded Chinese. First of all, terrible idea. I will never, yeah, yeah, ever yeah. do that. Don't even do it now. No, but if I was going to do it because I've heard quite a bit of Chinese and speak a little bit of Chinese, so Chinese words would come out in there, right? I wouldn't mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like for me to make a completely gibberish uh, Chinese song would be really difficult to not spread. Now, for me to make a, a narrative or sensical Chinese song would be impossible. I could not do that. But for me to make one without a single actual Chinese word popping up um, would would be very, very tough, I, I think. So that's my point is that he's got words, even if he tried to make it gibberish, Some there's mm -hmm. English words that are popping up here. Yeah, yeah. He's hearing things in the sounds and you're going to happen upon. Like true that maybe to him, maybe would be spelled M-A-I-B-I-A -I -I or something, maybe or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah. we know it as, well, it's maybe. That's just the word maybe. And that's mm -hmm. the word something. And he's obviously hearing words like that. I think he does a good job. Again, when I look at the lyrics that are supposedly what they are, like the transcribed sounds the uh, that are supposedly, it looks like it's Portuguese or something. But then and when yeah. you look at when you just listen to him uh, doing the cadence, you're like, OK, I can. And the first thing you notice and the one thing that people have written about is like, what oh, sounds Bob Dylan is. But it's not like Bob Dylan in so much in the vocals. In, it's in the cadence of the a, a song that would have a lot of spoken words, not really necessarily yeah. sung. And you're like, OK, that's got to be a response to Bob Dylan. Right. Um, maybe what we should do. I think one thing we could do with this song is start listening to parts of it. And then start commenting on what we think he's doing as English speakers about what he's responding to in our language. And I don't know if that's going to be successful or if it's going to be terrible. But I also promise that I do have a hot take here about a song that's that it sounds like that comes later that I don't oh, wow. think anyone else has thought of. And only I. And I kept meaning to go back and listen to the song because it's completely aye. way off. I, I, I'm sometimes with no mono too so. All right. <laughs> it is addictive. You want to start talking in that way. But it still sounds kind of like Italian people to me, right? I think so, too. Well, because one thing that we mentioned earlier in the episode that we haven't mentioned yet is he does that big, like, which is an awesome yeah. way to, like, rev yeah. the song up. But yeah. never in English do we ever go. <laughs> yeah, it's suspiciously, like, Mediterranean. Or something. Yeah. Hey, this is passionate and uh and full of like a gusto and lust for life. This is not English. And who cares? Because it's a big hit <laughs> and it's an awesome song. So mm. I mean, good on him. Like he's a. But you, you actually hear things in the analysis. Or I'm going to put this in quotation marks too. The analysis <laughs> of the song that you read online. So here's what people say. They go, "You can tell people are interested in the idea that he's mm -hmm. singing in a faux English language because they go, now here's something wild." Here's a song where he's singing, he heard English, and, he it, and then it seems like they want to say more stuff, but they don't have anything more to they say. They don't know what and else to like, say. So the song is about uh, 
communication or something. It's like, okay, uh huh. And, and what's the point? Yeah. yeah, and yeah now, yeah. Uh, Salentano has gone on record, and he claims that it is about communication. It's about the ta- sort of like the Tower of Babel and something to do with the lack of communication. But then I go, well, then how? Like, I mean, like how? I think like, he just thought I, it was neato. I th- like, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, does, I like that. I like it too. I definitely don't buy it. I think it's just that he thinks, hey, let's just make fun of English yes. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's it's both cool and it's also annoying that we are always asked to sing like think about italian bands who uh we, we did uh Poo, right and i can't remember now i think they they sang in italian and uh yeah. their cover of i think they did a spencer davis song that we did and uh, so you're like that's cool because go, go do your own rock and roll but one thing we've talked about on the podcast before is as young people growing up and we would because we grew up in canada and we still live in canada um our uh, low uh can he, the the national broadcasts and the, the rules are that there'd often be a certain prescribed amount of Canadian content, which is a rule that came out in the eighties. And then you also had to have British or not British. What am I saying? French content. So every now and then much music, which is our version of MTV uh, music channel, video channel would have like a French rock and roll band. And I think I'm going to say something controversial. I've said it before in early episodes. Most of us said, well, this doesn't sound good in French. French is a beautiful language, <laughs> but it, when it's rock and roll, it's like, you know, I'm not going to do any like faux French here because it's just going to get me in trouble. Right. But, you know, you're like, eh, I don't know, maybe English is the language of rock or maybe I don't know if that's true or not. And it's not to say that there aren't French bands and uh, whether they're rock and roll or not, who haven't, you know, uh, kowtowed to doing English and still sound cool. But for me, I definitely remember when I was younger going, well, it doesn't sound good. Like to me, a lot of the, and it, was, it wasn't just the, the lyrics. So it wasn't just the language. It was sometimes like, I don't think these guys even play rock and roll. So luckily we don't have to worry because Celentano's song isn't necessarily a garage rock song. It's not rock and roll, but it's something. Mm. And I guess we will talk about the song a bit, but it doesn't matter as much as talking about the fact that I think he's commenting a little bit on like, look, English is so dominant in the music industry. He probably appreciates it in some ways and and likes the way it sounds. But there's another part of it's just like, let's just make fun of it. And I think that's good. I think that makes it an interesting statement or whatever it is. I think it's funny, too, that there are so many English language songs where there's a key parts of the song where they go, all right. And yeah, <laughs> and everyone always loves it. They're always happy to hear someone say, all right. And I think even in this song, part of the reason that people are accepting of this song, even though it's not in English, mm-hmm. uh, is that they're happy at some point that he goes, all right. We're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Like, all right. yeah, we, we usually we. We understand that a song has to have a guy go, all right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, and words like maybe for sure in rock and roll, maybe, baby. So you could see how a guy would think oh, that's what English people say. They say baby and maybe. And, yeah. And, you know, oh, oh my God. And yeah, you, you know, next time I see the lyrics written out for like no woman, no cry when they say like everything is going to be all right. I hope they spell it like I always see them spell all right in or something. So let's let's start playing a bit because the first thing is the way he says the title of the song at the very start is very telling. Well, and I want to, so yeah. Well, maybe I should play it, but now I want to say stuff because I, I want to be the, the person to say some of the stuff. Well, no, I'll, I'll, let you be, I'll, I'll let you be the guy to say stuff once we come back from just playing. Just his. Now first... I feel like a whine. I feel like I'm whining. Ah, you do it, man. I you, am whining, to. though. I guess I'm whining. Okay, I'm going to play it. Hold on. Go ahead, because oh. speaking of whining, that's what he does, it sounds like. Uh-oh. That's my point. So yeah. now you you did it. You put yourself. You you insinuate. Well, you're insinuate that's not what I was going to say though. So it's still no, your it's still is, your view. But he says the first line in like a nerdy kind of mm-hmm. voice. So this is my point here: is that he's presenting Americans 
in mm-hmm. not a glamorous way. He's showing them as nerdy limp. Yeah. And you get what I'm saying. Yeah. They're like, impotent. there's a criticism. Yeah, yeah. for yes. sure. Yeah. I, I like, agree. He's like, Italians are cool. Americans yeah. not. are this prison yeah. colon and yes. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I, I'm glad we said it now. Cause now people will hear it and they'll be like, oh, yeah. good. Okay. Good. Prison colon and Antuzo. You the cold maze say one prison calling Anson Antuzo. All right. So already we, we get the thing we talked about and then you get is whether this narrative, it's hard to not have your reading of the song affected by that first video that you would have seen it with this the classroom mm. setting, but yeah. the people who echo back some bored, right? So, yeah. and in the setting that they show it, and I used to teach English in Taiwan. So I'm used to this. I, I taught a class of teenagers one time and it was the first time I ever went in class with them. And there was about five of them, five or six, no more than seven. This is not important. And, <laughs> Seven, and, eight, uh, nine. I think there was ten. <laughs> Wait, let me. I'm going to check some records. <laughs> and before I started talking to them, now they, their English was terrible. They, and but uh, I, I got there in front of them, and they start going um um um. And after a little while, I realized they were making fun of English. Like oh. they were like, "Oh, this is what we hear from English speakers." As I'm going um um. Um, and I was like, oh, that's good. I was really appreciative. I was like, that's very funny. I, you've done well. Yeah. 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 They know that they hear people talking and doing lots of speeches, possibly. They're hearing the, you know, the non confident speakers. So, yeah. yeah. Princeton, Colin, and Sinatra. So, you've got basically a nerdy teacher here, and he's teaching language. Like, he's teaching yeah. an abstract kind of version of English or something. So, they, as you point out, I had this board, and I don't even have to check what they're saying. They're just saying, say, so all right and they just say it in that way and then the music of course starts and then you know what i'm wondering too about this uh primary phrase which is prison <laughs> prison i don't even written down i've been here. practicing i've got to practice it prison colon ensenine chusel right so i'm wondering if so when i lived in taiwan i watched taiwanese tv and one thing that was on tv all the time was advertisements and something on advertisements all the time, when I lived there at least, was phone numbers. Mm. And that was my impression of the, the the Chinese language for the first little while, was watching, besides interacting with people, was watching Chinese TV. And when I say watching Chinese TV, they're playing uh, a lot of American television, like sports and stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I wasn't watching a, a Chinese TV show. I was watching like a basketball game. But all the ads were in Chinese, and I would see the Chinese ads. And then in the ad, they would be like, Ling Ling, Liu Liu, or Shu Shu, San San, Si. And, and they would put a phone number in there. And that's the thing that you hear a lot of, and it stands out for some reason. This is my experience there, right? Yeah. And I, that's why I'm wondering if um his prison prison call... <laughs> prison call in <laughs> Is this supposed to be like a phone number? Like, or? P- please call... Ba 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 right prison like a, call yeah you're right prison call and ensenatusol because the chusol part to me is like is is especially first of all I guess we have to get over like looking at the words right now because it's it's right. only because the there's no English there's English. no English yeah. word that long yeah is the title of the song it's a joke in itself right by it's the like, way one thing I just discovered and we still haven't looked up hubba hubba uh, uh, mm. javelin hasn't looked it up yet I guess I got to get the pneumatic tube working again but I just looked up on Discogs the first release of this record adriano salentano uh it's put out now i don't know if this is it's on epic Records, so i don't know if this is maybe an american version or something although i don't think it was released but 
interestingly, it's actually titled The Language of Love, and then in brackets, yeah. prison, colon, ensign, and chisel, which changes the meaning. And I have a feeling that that's actually something he didn't approve because mm. I think someone is trying to be someone at the record company with an Epic records, apparently was probably trying to go, look, we need to explain this. Cause if you look at the, the, the title it, since it's not in any kind of language, no one will know what to do with it. So if you yep. put it in the language of, and then in brackets, that imposes some sort of interpretation of the song that he hasn't been, I haven't read anything of him saying that that's the meaning. This is actually a song about love. And I don't want to believe that that's a, what it's about. So I think it's bullshit. And I'm happy to have found that out so I can disagree with uh, Epic Records or or whoever came up with this idea um, because it just seems odd to me. So that needs to be added, I think, to the, the very little discussion. Although I, I would imagine if we were to go on to the comment section of the many videos that you can find on YouTube of this, people are probably ex- uh, saying many of the things we're saying, but I haven't looked yeah. up any of that stuff. But yeah, you're right. It does sound like maybe it's a little bit of he's he's approximating something like please call and he's just been hearing it in uh advertising context that that sounds about right to me yeah and when you if you look at a really long drawn out word like the title of this song and i'm thinking of those numbers that i would hear on chinese ads uh it's one of the occasions where you where people say it really fast and it just kind of blends together and mm-hmm. so if you heard someone say like uh two 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 eight six eight nine eight times it just Sounds like one big long word blended together, and you're like, "What is yeah. this? How is this anything?" Yeah. Uh, compared to sentences and stuff, or where people put a lot more kind of pace into it, or cadence, or I don't know, phrase. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's keep playing a bit of it, and then just comment on it as we go through maybe verses or something. I think that might yeah. be a good way. We'll see if it works, and if it doesn't, we'll stop doing it. But yeah, okay. Let's play. Let's like play a verse. Yeah. And he says baby a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, he says baby. Right? And then, okay. and then, whoa, oh, is just like, you know, yeah. a rock, a rock thing. But uh, of course, we should also mention there's actually pretty good backing. Like it's got a, a wah wah guitar in there, it's got those horns and that driving boom, boom. It's a boom, great way, sounding song. This song sounds awesome. Yeah. And it, like, Today, like 2022, it sounds awesome. Yeah. If I have a feeling this song isn't just about the, you know, the cool, you know, because we like it. And we know as Canadians, the rare time that anyone from outside our culture recognizes us, we go wild. Even if someone's making fun of us, we go, oh, my God, finally, someone knows we exist. So it's the feeling of being like the dominant people in the world, the people who speak English. Uh, and we're the people who most of us only speak. That's the one language we speak. We're surrounded by people in, in that come over as immigrants, newcomers who speak more than one language. And we feel a little bit like, oh, my God, like there's so many people in the world that are like so much. They're fluent in other languages. But if they were to talk to us, hey, you guys in English, when you talk, it sounds like we were just happy to be noticed. Like, oh, finally, <laughs> someone says it. Even if it's, you guys sound nerdy, it sounds like this. Prancing, calling, answer, nine, two, so. And I got yeah. a little story about this. Is it, This is actually, I went to a country that is an English-speaking country. Back in the 90s, uh, my friend worked for Air Canada, so we got cheap tickets to go to uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. So we went to Trinidad and Tobago, the Caribbean. And I remember I still smoked then, so I went to a, like a, a service station or something, a gas station, and I was looking for some matches. So I asked the guy, 
there. Can I have some matches? And this native guy, well, I shouldn't say when I say native, I shouldn't assume that everyone thinks it's a uh, population of Trinidad is something like 45% uh, people who are uh, of African heritage and then 45% people South Asian from India. So it's an interesting country demographically, but this was a black guy, a young black guy. And he heard me and he went, can I have some matches? <laughs> and I was like, what? Are you making fun of me? And uh, <laughs> I, I felt so like, you know, targeted. And that's when I hear Chris and Colin and I, I'm like, same reaction. I'm like, come on, we don't have that. I didn't sound quite, uh, but the kin I have, some kin I have. I was like, oh, maybe you're hearing something in my <coughs> in my speech patterns, I guess. And and maybe at that time and around then and even around 1972, be a slightly different masculinity. Now I really hesitate mm. to say what I'm saying because I, I would hear stories sometimes of like women going to Europe. And that men would just like whistle at them walking down the street. Be like, oh, in Europe, it's a lot different. Like mm-hmm, men yeah. will just, you know, so maybe a different kind of masculinity that people didn't quite enact in North America quite as strongly. Yeah, well, look. it's the idea that then, you know, especially I would imagine if you're, I, I did briefly attempt to learn Italian. I still am going to learn it. It's a beautiful language. Uh, so <laughs> I'm speaking in that. I took an Italian class for a month, so I think I know a little <laughs> bit about it, the culture of Italy. But, uh, but did you idea- get one of these Panama hats that we see on, on the screen? <laughs> yeah, we're looking at a picture of Adri- uh, Adriano Celentano wearing a, a Panama hat, uh, a red, I don't want to call it a wife beater, but that's the only word I know what to call that. And he's wearing a cross and he's very hairy chested. And You're he's right, because also- this kind of shirt can't be described as tank top. This is not a yeah. tank top. It's yeah, it's what we would call wife beer, but you know what I mean. So, and then uh, uh, he's got his finger in his mouth kind of seductively, but oh, now I forgot my point, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It's basically the idea you were talking here about is the that, Italian class you took, but. yeah. The Italian, I feel like the, the thing that maybe is being responded is that I know a little bit that the uh, one of the Italian slurs for the British is mancha cake, cake eater, and I think it comes from the idea that they think that British people's bread tastes like white bread tastes like cake to them whereas the bread that comes from italy is the the right authentic bread but the what the what's implicit in that criticism is british people are white bread you know they are manja mm. cakes they are these people who are this kind of and you can see that the the white bread kind of uh implication would then have to do with culture language and identity and so that's the sound of prance and colin and national song or can i have some matches and i could also see that if you are any of the people we're talking about, the young man in Trinidad or Adriano Salantano, it's like, hey, you guys, you're on top of the world, really, when it comes to, you know, your language, your economics. So this is our way of getting back at you, making you sound like an ass. And we're, and we're, it's, it's a potent to, it's a potent way to get at us is to make us sound impotent. I'm saying us as English speakers. Yeah. And I'm maybe, and notice it's probably a male English but, and, speaker. And impotent is the right word. That's the implication, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 The impotence of the, the, so that I think people gloss over that opening, but I'm glad that you and I, because we're so in tune, we both spent a lot of time thinking about the way yeah. he opens the song. But then from there, it is just kind of like a, a Bob Dylan kind of cadence. Like you can imagine if he was saying things, it would be about society, but baby and maybe come in as well. So it's still yeah. whoa, whoa, rock and roll stuff. How how English sounds to Adriano Celentano and the people, and they're all probably nodding. Like, yep, that's what it sounds like. It's hard for me to do it because you know I'm faking what it might sound like to have in- fake English. Then the elements musically that happen from there 
are he does a drum loop. So he yeah. loops a drum beat, which is a tom bass drum beat. And then he has, as you mentioned, like the the guitar, which is very, very mid-focused. So whether that's a wah pedal that's got its treadle uh, on on the front. Uh, and then uh, uh, really, uh, all I can say is like a cool bass line. And then an organ that just holds one chord. Mm-hmm. And this song is on one chord the entire time. It's an E chord. So it's, uh, that's, the song is really interesting. And what I started to think about is like, what is the relationship between this uh, like mo- monochromaticness of the music and mm. and the and what is the thing that interests people listeners obviously it interests them because it's a song that's uh, gotten people's attention over the past few years the fact that it's in this faux english and i think part of it might be the narcissism of english-speaking nations that they're like oh it's talking about us like sort of like yeah. the four strong winds factor where we're like oh Edmontonians just like that they're mentioning alberta yeah. Uh, oh, I heard a great uh, Chip Taylor song the other day that's all about Alberta, by the way. Chip Taylor, the guy who wrote Wild Thing. I'm going to send you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. 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 Do it. But yeah, the music is just so right off the bat, you've got a drum loop that stays the whole almost four minutes long. You've got a guitar part that's pretty static. Uh, and it stay, like it stays pretty steady the whole four minutes long. The bass line, which you don't hear very well, but it's mostly along one note. The organ just holding a chord. I assume it's not someone holding the chord the entire time, but maybe it is. But there, mm. maybe there's some kind of looping going on there. And then the variety on the vocals is just this spitting of the vocals, uh, which it, you the rhythm, as you said, is like. Basically, he was predicting the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Well, wait, how does that? And then the horns and the horns, the whole thing sounds great. The horns come in with this ba 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 da ba ba ba. Really, and yeah. it goes between the lines of the song. And his singing lines, he starts. He's got the garage rock anacrusis because he he does a little lead up and then comes and does mm. the emphasis on the downbeat. But also, it's okay. cool shit. Yeah, and then I was going to mention the song that I think it sounds a bit like "Walk This Way" by Aerosmith. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing till you're down on a mountain. Yeah, you know, yeah you're right. The, the the pattern of the lyrics, yeah. That's yeah, the song that's... that ev- my mind would be like over the last week or so. I've been thinking of this song. Sometimes, like, I literally just wake up and I'm like, but then then it turns into it often turns into "Walk This Way," and I keep intending all day today. I was gonna I'm gonna finally listen to "Walk This Way" to to test and see if I'm right, but. I, at least it it has a hint of it, but this is before Walk This Way, as far as I know. I don't know when Walk This Way came out, but this song is 72. I assume Walk This Way wasn't 1972. It's probably a few years later. Um, I also don't think that they listened to this song because there's no one in North America would have known this song until I think the last, I think maybe around 2007 or whenever it Finally, it was a viral video. By the way, do you remember there was another viral no, video no. not too long ago I, that was the same? I think... I think you've identified Walk This Way as a response song because you've got <laughs> this song putting down speaking English and being American uh-huh. and then Aerosmith coming back saying, no, no, you should walk this way. You should talk this way. Ah, there you go. And also, it's also, it's uh, reclaiming the, you know, the the masculinity. See, it's, you ain't yes. seen nothing till you're down on a muffin and yeah, you should be exactly. changing your ways. Well, yeah. well where's the textbooks? I gotta, where's yeah. the textbooks? <laughs> they're, they're coming. Oh, oh that nice. was a good textbook. Yeah. That's good. Um, I don't know if I have any other insights on the song, but I still want to keep hearing it so I can, because that's to me, the thing I realize is like, 
I got to hear it. And I looking at the lyrics doesn't mean anything because they don't help, but hearing what he's saying, like, I'm not going to try and put any kind of ghost of a narrative. It just sort of is like, what is he, what kind of words is he thinking of, or what kind of sound is he, is he, what's he responding to? That's what I'm really curious about, about the way. And of course we all have different in England, uh, English, there's different accents. People say we have Canadian accents and there's people with British accents, right? There's people with Southern accents. So I wonder exactly if what exact kind of English he's getting at, but it does seem to be a rock and roll English for sure. Right. Like a, a Bob Dylan-y kind of stuff. I wonder if the fact that the song is literally one note has mm. anything to do with this criticism of, of like being like, like uh, America, Americans and America being a one trick pony, like, Oh, there's no diversity to them. It's like a one mm. note, repetitive, monotonous. Uh, but uh, on top of that, then you get to we should mention that the chorus has this group vocal this chorus vocal which is a bunch of people and then you also have the the single female who speaks at one point going like my eyes are baba and sounds very very detached and robotic right yeah she sounds almost like nico or something like yeah, she, yeah, yeah. we should get to listening to her part that's us you know the i know you know this it's claudia claudia mori his wife because yeah, yeah. in the video she stands up and and recites for a few seconds and then he gives her he gives her that great i don't know what that the okay <laughs> yeah, thing yeah the okay sign <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is pretty awesome that, that's actually that's one of the reasons why the video is crucial to see because you're like well this is pretty entertaining and of course his dancing is hypnotic as well yeah he's, did he's you know entertaining that dude. His, like, his nickname in italian translates to the flexible one well yeah that's what i was mentioning earlier i just couldn't remember the the uh, italian word for it it was il maggiore or something but i i can't remember. i guess he looks fairly flexible i feel like he's not the most flexible person I've ever seen. well have you seen have you gone back and i don't he's know if a you're a great dancer him. he's a great dancer don't get me yeah. wrong but have you ever seen la, la dolce vita because i just went back no to watch I, the scene that well he, i have he, i have scene. seen it but i don't remember it off the top of my head well the, the scene that he's in is something you should watch because he's okay. really he's really it's interesting it's 1960 <laughs> and he's he's singing rock and roll. Like I pointed out, he still looks like he's 30 something years old in that, but he's wearing a leather jacket. His band is, is rocking out and he falls off the stage uh, at one point and he ends up in some sand yeah. or something. But so, you're, you're right about his look. Cause in the prison, prison colon incidents video, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he like pulls off a good, like teacher because he looks kind of old and young at the same time. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's wild. So, I mean, let's keep listening to it. And, yeah, yeah. Respond. So I'm just going to play it from here. And then do you want to, well, we'll stop it. You know, because I'm controlling the play button. If you want us to stop so you can say something, just raise your hand up okay. in the Zoom window. And like a, otherwise, like I'll let it play until after the the sort of vocal where his wife comes in and says. Yeah, okay. I'll just take notes and comment. But yeah, go for it. No, no. Raise your hand if you want to say something. <laughs> this <laughs> okay, is our okay. world. Well, then this is our world. We're not these. Okay. uh what are these uh, impotent Americans who can't uh... speak for yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm saying we're not. We're not. Oh, you're saying oh, you yeah. are. That's, <laughs> right, that's awesome. Well, little, that seems little, way cooler, actually. All right, hold comedy. on. Just a little comedy there. A little comedy. <laughs> Hope of this skin, love the cover, no time. 
get the shoes to go, my man. You've a custom amount to call the Raider Girls. Hold something. Is it hold something? This is yeah. hold yeah. something. I also noticed in other words, it sounds like he's saying you you get in lotta and why at one point, and then girls, it sounded like he said girls. Yeah. There's lots of English words. Color ball dice and stuff. And yeah, it just sounds like he's, you know, uh putting together uh, one thing I would give him credit for is that he, he's not just making like one syllable words. It sounds like there's words that he's like so like some of those words are imaginary three syllable words right so Mm. because if i was to imitate a language and i've done it but i'll not do it here but you know if i was to pretend i'm speaking fake french you know at a unguarded moment where i'm making fun of what friends or not just making fun of because one thing that this opens up is the discussion of uh we've taken linguists i I always assume you've taken linguistics classes i'm not sure if that's true i know we've just recently talked about this but when i was at mount royal uh college when i started my my degree uh my undergrad there weren't a lot of like electives to do. So every, every single English major took linguistics. And one thing you learn early is that, you know, people talk about what, what language is more beautiful than another. And you're like, look, that's just all completely subjective stuff. Like, Oh, French is beautiful, but German is such an ugly language. You're like, well, and then then you meet people who are trying to be contrarian. Well, actually, I find German quite beautiful. And you're like, well, no, you shouldn't. But <laughs> but a lot of people would agree that Italian is beautiful. But we have to also say as people, it's like, look, this is all just whatever. There's no real, well, Italian is empirically a beautiful, or English is empirically a certain kind of language. But when you're when you are making fun of it, you're not making fun of it. Sometimes you're giving some sort of appreciation for the way it sounds and how it sounds different from your language and how you like the sound of a certain, you know, syllable or something that they have that we don't have. It obviously depends on a particular speaker as well, because, and and I'm connecting Mm -hmm. this to that. There's another video on YouTube of a comedian doing a version of prison colon and then choose all, uh, as as a Zizek, right. And he's trying to impersonate Zizek's voice and he's, which, which I guess I'm trying to say is not a beautiful voice by most standards of, of beauty of speaking. Because he he's uh, you know he's he's uh, yeah so for pastronauts who don't know Slavoj Žižek the Slovenian cultural theorist who also has some sort of uh, lisp he's got like a speech impediment with a he kind of does this sometimes with his yeah. uh, his s's so him doing prison colon ensenine chusel supposed to be funny um, yeah. but it's only funny if you are a fan of or a, a, an enemy of slovenian cultural theories both of which we are not we don't either yeah we don't have a lot of dis- feelings <laughs> yeah well, i have no real feelings for zizek either yeah. except that i saw the documentary about him and i hated it because i watched it <laughs> with a bunch of academics and they're the worst audience man but anyways it's just maybe self-hatred here academia i mean whatever but we're, we're you know i think we're analyzing this song now in a in a in a deeper way than the ones the things that we've read online and we're definitely not buying that song it being about miscommunication or lack of communication yeah yeah yeah, yeah. why why just accept that which there's no evidence within the song whatsoever that, yeah that's exactly. what it's about you know one thing that that i do think about as i listen to this song is that when you talk about the song being about say lack of communication and you talk about the song being a nonsense song is what you hear are a lot of things that make something uh in some way is not nonsense for example let's say Let's take again the example of when I'm living in Taiwan. Let's say I'm living in a Taiwanese apartment building and I'm playing my guitar loud late at night, which I actually didn't do, but just for example. So let's say it's 11 p.m. on a Wednesday, playing my guitar, and then someone knocks on my door. And let's say it's an individual that doesn't speak any English, so they start yelling at me in Chinese. 
uh, and they're yelling and yelling and yelling and the Chinese is coming out. I, I wouldn't understand any of that, especially if it's flowing out, it's yelled. Uh, I'd be like, maybe I'd pick up a word here and there, but really I'd just be like, but would it be nonsense to me? No, it wouldn't. I no. would completely gather the meaning of what is being said. And there's all sorts of things in the song that make it not nonsense. So the way that the words are said, a, a lot of the time it's interrogative and there's things that sound like questions <coughs> and things that sound like answers. And even mm. if you hear someone who writes instrumentals, like let's say Hans Zimmer, and he'll talk about writing music and he'll say, when I write music and I write melodies, I write it like a question and then an answer, like dun, 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 bom, 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 bom. And it's like one, one of the little melodic lines is a question, one is an answer. And that's the way that he sings these quote unquote mm. gibberish lines. And, and, and some things he says, yeah, like you get a lot of emotion and meaning from the lines, even though they don't have words. And it ties back to Ross Bagdasarian's observation that in rock music, you hear songs all the time that you don't mm -hmm. understand the words. And it doesn't mean you don't get the meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. That's right. I grew up in the 80s and a lot of songs you would have heard, um, especially if I was listening to not music that wasn't on the radio or something like listening to a Sonic Youth album. You know, years later, you look at the lyrics and go, oh, that's what he was singing. But you didn't care because the, the lyrics were part of the soundscape, you know, like that the guy saying stuff is like, I'm thinking of the song uh, Silver Rocket. You got it. You ride a silver rocket. He's saying stuff <laughs> right. in the yeah, verses, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know what he's saying. a great example. It just sounds really cool. When, and actually, <laughs> I will say, when you look at Sonic Youth lyrics, they're always really quite fun because he's so influenced by like beats and New York school writers that that there's actually a lot of really interesting stuff that he's very Ed Sanders with his lyrics a lot of times. And you're like, Oh, well, you can, it's got, and, and a lot of times you can hear what he's singing and it's, it's cool. But uh, yeah, you, you don't care really. Like if you mm. don't pick up a word here or there, there's very few people I think who are, I need to know the lyrics. Cause a lot of times the lyrics aren't super important. It's just conveying an attitude. And you're, as you're right, you can get a sense of it. Like I'm thinking of shoegaze bands or something from the nineties. And you'd be like, I don't need to know what my bloody Valentine is singing. It's right. just you're hearing yeah. them, you know, like this kind of angelic chorus or something. And and the sounds that it's in the middle of, it's just that you're hearing a human voice in there. And that's helpful. People still want that. They don't want to listen to an instrumental, but they don't care all the time if the lyrics are... Uh, rock and roll did seem to do away with the idea, like, you know, someone like Frank Sinatra, who would be really anti-rock and roll, probably was because... You can't hear the words I'm singing and you can hear everything he sings, right? Yes, right. He was raised, you're not supposed to like be incoherent and rock and roll doesn't matter. So being yeah. incoherent is a virtue of rock and roll. So prison colon ensign and truth soul isn't really a condemnation of that for sure. But yeah. it's, you know, as, as it's all the things we're saying it is, it's partly a kind of stab at Americans and American imperialism, or at least English as a language that represents a kind of cultural imperialism, you're getting a little bit back at them, but it does seem to also have a bit of a homage to it. Like, yeah, it's like, it's just gotta be fun to do that yeah. you know, no matter yeah. what. And it's, it's also really helpful for us because we can be now imitating Adriano Celentano <laughs> imitating it so that I can kind of actually get in a little bit of what I want to do, which is, like, you know how people will imitate Italians? They'll have to do the, hey, I said it to you yesterday. Well, you have to do it in English, yeah. right? And you're like, well, that's pretty stereotypical. But as soon as you do Adriana Salentano doing faux English, like, ah, I can give it a little Italian. By the way, I did <laughs> learn that in my Italian class because it was one of the first questions that any of us asked is, 
is it okay? Because when we learn Italian, every single word seems to lend itself to, we want to do that thing where we put our hands up and go, you know, like, you know, <laughs> right, and right. the teacher said, no, you kind of have to do that. Like, that's how we oh, speak. He's oh. like, it's okay. Because uh, what I think we were asking, not just me, but other students is like, is it going to be seen as disrespectful if I learn well, the great Italian word I learned was allora. Allora mm. is a beautiful word. And it means essentially it means, but that's mm. all it means. But Italians will often use it as a word. In, it's their um. It can be their um. Like, yeah, that's it, it, we will say. um. Uh, but in Italian, you go. Allora. So our teacher, who was a beautiful woman, by the way, yeah. every now and then she'd be looking for her through her notes and she'd go. Allora. And you just look at her. She's beautiful. Plus, she's saying Allora. And you're like, what a beautiful word. And so finally, students ask her, what does Allora mean? Uh, it just means like, um, but hold on. That's essentially it. It's a, it's a placeholder. It's like, so the Italians even have a beautiful word for um. So you got to give it to Adriano Salentano, right? That and he can have a feeling that his language is superior, possibly. That's the kind of word you would hear a lot that you would work into a song like this. Like, uh, I mean, in the reverse direction that mm -hmm. like, like I said about the Chinese students who heard us say, um, or, uh, all the time. And it would come up a lot and it's a, a totally non-important word or unimportant word Yeah, that, that you would hear a lot. And you'd say, what is this word that I hear people saying all the time? It's like, oh, it's the least important of all the words that I was saying. Yeah. And it's one that you should probably, you know, they tell you, you shouldn't have that in your in your speech, but we have it. Yeah. So, you know, when we go back and listen to our podcast, I'm sure you just as much as I do, go like, ah, oh, I got to stop saying whatever that word is. I say, or that certain thing that I do, it's, it's just awful really to hear your own voice and hear your own speech patterns, unless you're a narcissist, I guess, which would be maybe nice in that element to hear your own voice and love it. But I don't, it's a really common experience to hear your own voice and go, Ugh, you know, but anyways, I, usually, I, I know the, at the end, just stand up and clap. <laughs> i've done it again let's keep let's keep I've listening to the song yeah yeah let's let's play it. so so we'll, we'll just press raise your hand again if you wish to stop otherwise yeah yeah we'll be all right yeah yeah I So that's the part that we had referred to before, which is Cla Claudia Morai. Yeah, that's her. Um, I, I guess we do need to sort of, again, really emphasize the fact that the song seems to be in a teacher, in an English language or in, in a language classroom kind of setting, like you've been referring to your previous experience with that. And so it's a guy teaching a class and getting his students to repeat back phrases and in this case the star pupil which is claudia mori his wife stands up and in the video of course people applaud when she stands up because everyone that's watching on italian tv is like that's right. his wife because they're both super famous so yeah um then so that adds a little bit of element to it that if see because a lot of these things can be uh i'm trying to think of examples and, and she that has I, a charming smirk on her face as well where she's yes like, exactly yeah she's, she's like look this is my so that's an interesting vibe too is that in the classroom the teacher and the student are you know having a, a relationship and in, in real life it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's not totally not condonal although i did read that uh, i did read that uh adriano celentano left his then girlfriend for claudia 
when he met her on a movie set somewhere in the early 60s but she he wasn't married to her but he's still maybe a bit of a cad but i don't yeah. i don't know the situation i'm not going to judge adriano Salentano. i i'm here to praise him not to bury him right so yeah so yeah it's that uh english or at least a language classroom thing so that's got to be part of what we're uh how we're interpreting the song but let's just keep listening to parts of it and we might have things to say yeah There's one line where he sounds like he have a good time sounded like. Oh, uh, that's another like line that you could hear, like, especially for somebody who listens to a lot of English language music that comes up in a lot of music. Yeah. The have problem is that the mo- a lot of the time that I was listening to the song, I wasn't listening to it. Uh, I keep saying that the problem was that I was looking at the lyric sheet and that just didn't help at all because there's not any yeah. actual English words. But when you hear it back, you're like, no, it definitely sounds like he says, have a good time. Yeah. Like I, I you can go back and listen to it and maybe he didn't, but I don't think it's important. But anyways, that just sounded like another, in a way you can hear that if, if we are talking about this being an implicit criticism, maybe he is saying something like, you know, rock and roll lyrics are, are insipid, but at the same time he's yeah. doing it in a Bob Dylan cadence and Bob Dylan signifies literary english right you know right. like and and the whole pattern because this is not a normal english song pattern right this is like a speech pattern so it's you know what i read somewhere someone the guy that put it up on boing boing cory doctorow he he surmised that this might be the first rap song and i'm like that's the worst kind of hot that's, take you could ever do I, I i even have a note in my note saying I no. read someone saying this might be yeah, just like, yeah. no 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 absurd. shut up that shouldn't that's uh, the kind of thought you, you could up. have. Or a doctor shut up. No, exactly. It's the kind of thought you should have, and then and then immediately delete it from your word process. Like, no, it, there's no way that that can be the case. Yeah, but, you know. I, I I feel like I read that all the time. Any song that has something that's a little bit talky in it, because mm-hmm. we're and 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 there's also a little bit of like, oh, you know. Again, it's back to that thing where like, look at this white artist who's sort of talking in a song. They invented rap. Like, no, no yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, and like somehow he was the first one to do it, and then and yeah. then some guys in the Bronx in 1978 finally got their shit together and rediscovered the same thing. Right? It's like yeah. no, no, or, or at they least were they're listening not to Prison Colon Anson and on the, This is awesome. Finally, something that speaks to us. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's uh, let's just keep going with it then, yeah. and, and then until we hit the end, and then we're you know we're done. Yeah. Well, let's, I guess we'll do something else. <laughs> yeah. Two of the cars, the number four was the gladest thing. Hi, hi, smile, chance, let hey, the kids don't know it feels up. Hi. You the call the majesty one, please sit, call the nation at two, so all right. You know, it's you not feel as you can call them and don't, it's people that I like big yo. I do like that it gets a little bit jaunty there. Like all of a sudden mm. the, the language learners are getting a little into it. Like yeah, yeah. it starts to right. sound like an actual song yeah. and they're responding to it. So it's like, as if the teacher is becoming a good teacher, they're, they're learning a love for the language or something, or they're at least starting to appreciate it. Like 
again, as both of us who have had experience teaching know, it's that feeling of like maybe a class that starts off. You're like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this class? And then something starts working and you're like, yeah. oh, good. And sometimes it's an accident. Like you just like decide, well, let's do this instead of the other thing I had on the lesson plan. And, and you see the students actually responding to it. And you're like, oh, okay, well, let's just keep doing that until the class is over. So maybe it feels a bit here like, oh, we're getting a little bit of the hang of this pseudo language, you know, this fake English that's being propagated person colon ensenine truth soul is maybe not so bad yeah right? yeah that's I like that's that. a great observation okay hey. we shall listen more oh and let, let's also not forget that music and and like singing something like this is often used as a mnemonic device in learning something right so it also makes sense yeah that the song could be used to remember the phrase prison colon ninson which we know is very difficult to say and remember anyways so yeah um, yeah that was i almost regretted t- picking the song well when we both talked about it for our nonsense i was like oh man i'm gonna have to learn how to say the title yeah but, now i've just given up on it i think but you seem to be able to, <laughs> to get it sometimes well maybe i'm just a little bit uh, more prison colon ensign truthful than you but at All least right. i'm not disrespecting <laughs> a specific language right because it's not a <laughs> yeah yeah you're right, exactly. Okay, I'm, I'm going to play some. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the harmonica now, part. <laughs> do you think this harmonica solo is related to American culture as well? Like, it's a, like, because you think a little bit of a... Uh, I guess like American films and stuff, this harmonica and the kind of riding the rails, kind of like West. Uh, well, the only thing I can think of is it would just go with the Bob Dylan. Ah, uh, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's got to be it for me because I don't know how else it would have any kind of place in it. Like, I don't know anything about like the history of the harmonica. I'm sure it isn't an mm-hmm. instrument in. I'm sure that it was around in Europe because I seem to remember that there are classical harmonica players because it was a uh, instrument used in classical music originally. Yeah. But it gets used because it's a folk instrument as well. But it does seem to me my only real, like, obvious interpretation for me would be that it has something to do with there there being a little bit of a Bob Dylan quality to the and then and then that would just add to the feeling of this song is like a Dylan esque number. But it's funny because there's no sense to it, right? Well, and there's a reason, too, that a singer like Bob Dylan or a Bob Dylan-like singer, I think I just said the same thing, but <laughs> that what, does this rapid-fire vocal that is just words without a lot of held notes because when you can't sing great, uh, you're not going to hold long notes like the way a Celine Dion song would have. You're going to uh, spit words out like that because you don't want to hold notes. So that there's yeah. – he. I guess he's – also impersonating a style of music which came into vogue in America, which was based around these singers who yeah. weren't singing in that other way. Well, what's funny then is that the 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 students all start singing the lines, so they're actually better. They become more fluent in the language because they're able to go. And then you're like, oh, and that's another. Well, I don't know if I've had it that often. I'm not saying that to sound arrogant, but as a teacher, you can usually not worry about your students getting more knowledge than you although you do have that student every now and then you're in a literature class or something you're like oh you said something that i had never thought of and you should always credit them you should always be like oh i hadn't thought of that that's a really good idea because it gets them to say more right right? 
and uh, and then they can like help you out. Like as, as a teacher, you know, when you've got a good student and they can, or if you've got a great bunch of students, it's not a bad thing. Cause you can go, obviously as what a radical thought. Hey, when you have good students, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's actually not teacher. that bad. It's but, not but, as bad as you might think. But the feel, the feeling I'm getting is that it could be a, it could be a kind of thing where it's like, you've got uh, Adrian now sent Salantano as the teacher. And he's like, Oh crap. These students are definitely better at me than person. Pr- <laughs> so he just starts the playing case. the harmonica. He's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever. I well, I better, play I better the harmonic. let them get on with it. Now they've, they've lapped me. Basically they got the language down. They've got, they've at least got this part of it down. They've learned this lesson. So now I got to give him another one. So he should have done some, uh, <laughs> I, maybe he did. Maybe he did some uh, sequels to this, but you know, like I say, this song took a, a while to become a hit and it's more yeah. of like a novelty song than it is. But man, when we have been talking for a while, so we should probably get to the end of it. Cause otherwise yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah. be up all night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't, are there any more words? No. Oh, it's just a, it's an outro then. Yeah. That is odd. It's quite long too. It is a long outro, yeah. I feel like the song could have wrapped up a bit with like a a few more prison colon ensign and true souls. In the seventies, oh. you could do whatever you want. You just indulge in the seventies. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So that's the end of the song. I mean, I think we've definitely said a lot about it. Like, I, I mean, it's an unusual way we went to the song, and most of them, because it's nonsense, we kind of had to go through the songs, you know, verse by verse, and then kind of talk about the the non English or the you know the nonsenseness of the vocables or the syllables or whatever. I think we've come up with some good interpretations. I think we've furthered the uh, discussion on any one of these single songs, but it's time for us to give up the Bo Diddley award now, which is just the one that's blowing our mind most this week. So let's do that. Play a little bit of something, and then we're going to reveal our winners. Uh, Isn't it beautiful boys? The ancient land of Japan. Stop it, Alvin. Now, there's famous Mount Fujiyama, and look at the pretty cherry blossoms. This is a land that has everything. Rice, fish, Any bananas? Pearl. No, Alvin, they don't grow I any. I want a banana. Good idea. Let's have a banana. Yeah, banana. Boys, let's not make a fool of ourselves. Now, don't do anything to embarrass me. I'll never bring... So you just heard uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks and their tribute to Japanese haiku poet Matsuo Basho, whose name, of course, Basho means banana tree. So Alvin was later to learn about the the history of the banana and plantain in Japan. So, but that's for another episode. We're going to now to reveal after I count down from three our choice for the Bo Diddley Award winner of this week. So three, two, one. We both have chips. 
As I suspected, Eric, explain your choice. That song is too good. I love good. Rubber Biscuit. I love Prison, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> the, the Ch- Chips, Rubber Biscuit, you just can't beat that song. You're going to bounce oh. off of that song. You try and beat that song, bounce. I, I don't know. I, it's I, going to bounce uh, like a ricochet biscuit. Like, yeah, like a ricochet biscuit. And all this brown bam ba da ba da ba da ba hum bam hum na man hum na bam bam hum and then the the little parts in between and the oh so good it's too insane a song to deny it's one of these boldly award ones we we've talked about this recently we we actually started choosing some songs recently to make sure that we're choosing some episodes with selected songs where we'd have a harder time determining the Bo Diddley word. But this week is one of those ones where it isn't necessarily even that Rubber Biscuit is the best, which it is out of the three songs, (laughs) but it's also the one that would blow your mind at any time. Yeah. Because as I kept saying too, it's like, these are just like some teenage kids and we we're aware of like the insanity and the, the, the art that teenage kids can, can reach when they collaborate with each other and their insanity comes together in this beautiful way. But that it's, it's just too much. It's too much power. Rubber Biscuit is a song that if you haven't heard it, it, you're welcome. You finally got to hear it. And now, and the great thing is you have people in your life you can introduce the song to. And you can also determine who should be in your life. If they think the song is not good, you go, well, I'm not, I'm not married to this woman anymore. or I'm not married to this man anymore. That would be grounds for divorce. It'd be grounds for selecting your friends. And it's grounds for choosing your favorite family members, which ones stay on the dialysis machine and which ones don't. So it's pretty clear that chips is more than uh, it's more than just a song. It's a way of life. And so I think we've, 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 as I've said before, managed to have a really good discussion about three nonsensical songs. And as I suspected, we had, this is probably, we say this often. I'm pretty sure this might be our longest episode. Now we've talked for so long. That I'm really curious about how long this is going to turn out, which is why I have to end it now and say to Eric, anything you want to say goodbye to the folks? Farewell, Pastronauts. We got to go. Alvin!